How's the hole in your pants? Um, it's it's fine. It's still there. You know, I don't really go out much, so I don't know. I figure another week or two, I should be fine to get some new pants. Yeah, there you yeah. go. How's your pants? How are they doing? My pants are great mm-hmm. when I wear them. Oh yeah. Well, you you you're not like a jeans inside type of guy, right? Yeah. So are you just like sweatpants the whole time or something or like shorts or? If anything. If anything. Okay. Sometimes it's just a commando mission. You don't, I don't know, get a feeling of um, like a difference and like, okay, I'm putting on going out in the world clothes now, even if I may not be going out in the world just to kind of change your mental mood or. Whenever I get dressed to go out into the world now, it's like the montage of like, uh, Will Smith slash Charlton Heston in I Am Legend slash The Omega Man. Like, I'm gearing up to go, like, fight the undead is how I feel. I mean, I've always worked from home anyway, so maybe I'm just used to it. But I wear jeans at home all the time. I mean, prior to all this, sure. I mean, I'll get dressed just to stay home. But I feel like uh, everyone can take a little pressure off themselves this year. You don't have to get dressed up for... You know, going from uh, from commuting from the bedroom to the couch or whatever I guess the hell I would, people are doing. I would feel weird if I went and like you know took a shower in the morning and then just like put sweatpants on. That would just feel strange to me. Okay. I mean, I don't know if that's a universal feeling. I mean, I think people are allowed to do what they need to do. No, they're not. Obviously, no. I, I'm I'm sure a lot of people are are kind of doing it your way. But like I said, I've been working from home for like five years now, so. Welcome it back to our productivity said. podcast. Mm-hmm. Talking about working from home. What's your what's your COVID threat level these days? Ugh, fucking hell, man. <laughs> Which way does it go with the DEFCONs? Which one is worse? I think I think lower is worse. I'm not 100% on that, but I think DEFCON like, 1 is like, holy shit. I've been at like DEFCON double zero. It feels like off and on for a while. Hmm, okay. Um, maybe we should take that down one notch. I don't know. Yeah, Just for your, for your own mental sanity. What even is that? What about you? What's your what's your threat level? Um, threat level late afternoon? I don't know. You read like one of those articles about like somebody like confirmed case being reinfected, and just it makes me think of uh, not a very good movie, but uh, was it Seeking a Friend for the End of the World? Or they're like listening to the like radio report, and it's just like the the mission to like you know stop the asteroid from hitting Earth has failed, and it's like you're just sitting there in your failure now. Mm. We're all mm. gonna die. Yeah, I mean, we probably are. So on that happy note, should we start the podcast? Yeah. Cheery start for a cheery episode, I'm sure. We finally got there. We got to see you. <laughs> All right, let's start. Hello and welcome to Headcanon. I'm James. And I'm Marco. Hi. Hello. How's it going? <laughs> we just talked about how's it going this week on the podcast we'll be talking about the second half of buffy the vampire slayer uh season six specifically we are doing older and far away which is s sixty fourteen, and then normal again s sixty seventeen, and then scene red s six e 19 just out of curiosity did you watch any of the other episodes let me see what i watched i watched uh, I watched a handful. I watched Dead Things, which you're right. We should have done that one. Um, I watched Entropy, which we should have done that one. 
and I watched um oh this wiki is stupid. God, how do they organize things like this? And I watched uh Hell's Bells. God, you put yourself through Hell's Bells? Hell's Bells is like Honestly, it's like a season three episode, but like if it fell on its head in this dark mirror of that season six slash 2020, like a lot of the the beats and the way, the way it goes, I feel like they would have done that in season three, but it just feels, I don't know, slightly darker and more fucked up. Yeah, I watched them all except for As You Were in Hell's Bells. I was like, I'm skipping those two mm-hmm. just for myself as a as a present to myself. I'm not watching those episodes. Uh, before we get Definitely to that, as you were, yeah, yeah. Uh, what are you watching these days? Uh, let's see. What have I watched since we last spoke? Uh, I watched a few episodes of Brave New World, your show with your mm-hmm. uh, your crush, um, uh, the guy who's named after the director from Sneakers. I watched uh, some Buffy, as we discussed. I watched three seasons of Elementary. Jesus. And I watched a little bit of Black Panther. Which three seasons? Well, the first three. I'm, I'm just going to rewatch okay. it all. What the fuck? What sure. do I care? Yeah, R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. That just happened yesterday as we record this. Uh, Shocking. Sad. Uh, Crazy reminder. The world continues to suck. Crazy reminder that you don't know what people are dealing with. And um, I think some people are a fuck of a lot stronger than you realize. Mm -hmm. I mean, four years of, of, I don't don't even know what the right, because Twitter has gone back and forth and correcting me and how, you should talk about it. I want to say fighting, but fighting cancer is apparently not right. I mean, like it's, it's fine. Yeah. Surviving. I mean, with mm-hmm. this and just like, a, like I saw a great tweet, which was just like, he's played all these heroes and like, if we're lucky someday, someone will play him. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely the, other, see a biopic. <laughs> the other tweet I saw that I enjoyed, I didn't catch any of these people's names. I'm sorry about the attribution, but it was just like, take my phone away from me before I tell you who should have died instead of Chadwick Boseman. <laughs> I think we all have a certain name on that list. I got like twenty five. Um, I got I got one at the top. Just out of curiosity, did you watch any of uh, Lovecraft Country? I have not yet. Okay, you? I, I watched the pilot. I I've just been too busy to get around to the second episode. It was interesting. I don't know. I found myself like intrigued by the characters. To be honest, I didn't really like the direction of the mm. first episode. Um, I thought it was it was just there was something odd about a lot of like there's i felt like there's weird tone shifting at certain times and kind of like these like jumps in narrative like like maybe they'd like shot and then reshot and stuff like that i don't know but i mean i think there was like solid character base even at the show itself like it was coming off a little bit odd hmm. um, but i'll catch up eventually yeah that's um, i want to watch it I, i've heard good things courtney v vance in that he somehow looks like he just he sounded and looked much older than like i think i last saw him in like that predators movie or something where like i don't know it's like somehow he aged 20 years to play the role i mean courtney v vance has been around for a while yeah no i don't know it's just something like uh, his performance i thought was really effective it seemed like he's playing older than he was okay um and yeah, I mean, a lot of cool visuals in that show for sure. It's something about HBO. They, they throw the money out there. They're not fucking around and they make TV shows. So does our, definitely uh, getting high quality production budgets. Does our boy Cthulhu show up? Um, there were some, definitely some tentacle stuff. Oh, tentacle stuff. There's like a weird kind of prologue. that's a dream sequence, I guess, where 
it's like he's like in the war but then suddenly there's all these crazy tentacles and like monsters <laughs> and then like jackie robinson shows up and like hits the cthulhu with like a baseball bat um it was it was a cool psychedelic thing for sure I, okay. I, I, it's based on a book, apparently, like Lovecraft yeah. Company is a book. Um, never read it. I don't, I'm not actually very familiar with Lovecraft himself at all. All I know is that, like, it's a disgusting it's, little racist. I, I know two facts about Lovecraft, disgusting racist, and like the whole, his, his whole deal is like big monsters with tentacles and like unthinkable dread type. Unseen you know? horror. Yeah. 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 Like horror that just breaks your brain. Like your, your, your brain can't comprehend. Yeah. The, That's um, really all I know about him. I think the the direction of the overall direction of like especially literary, but I would say almost all 20th century uh, sci-fi slash speculative horror or speculative fiction basically falls into two camps. You got your Lovecraft camp, you got those people who keep trying to push Lovecraft, and you've got your like Philip K. Dicks. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, Dick Country to? is a different. Uh, it's a different show. Dick Country. <laughs> uh, what are you listening to? Gonna call it besides Dick Country. Yeah. In a Dick Country, Dick, stay with you. Um, I went back to Phoebe Bridgers Hard, um, and and her Punisher album this this past week, uh, and I also got myself a lovely vinyl to the. San Junipero episode of Black Mirror, like the the score of that. So vinyl, I've been listening to that. Vinyl. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't really say I've been listening to much new. I know the new Killers album is out, but I haven't really fucked with that much. Um, I mean, do people care about the Killers anymore? I have no idea. Okay. I mean, it's not like my taste in music or at all with mainstream anyway, so I'm not, not too concerned. Either. What are you reading? Uh, so I finally finished The Night Country after, I don't know, three months. Okay. Or longer. It was weird. Um I don't know. That's a book, all right. Uh I started reading the uh the Hunger Games prequel. Was it a Songbirds and Snakes? Yeah, yeah. Um didn't get very far in because it was like five in the morning and I was just like passing out tired, but the main dude's like really concerned about his shirt. That's all I've mm-hmm. uh, got so far from that. We'll mm-hmm. see how it goes. I don't know. It's I, I'm assuming this is the same snow from the main, you know, Hunger Game stuff is just like once upon a time he was poor. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. It's uh, I don't know. Maybe it was maybe it was a brilliant decision for that to come out in twenty twenty, and this is the right time for that book. But at the same time, like I said it just it felt like I was reading about like year twenty of like the Trump dynasty, <laughs> and I was just like, I I cannot. It's not a terribly like interesting so. I think it's exactly halfway through they finally get to the titular Hunger Games. And I was like, you know what, I'll just pick this up later. I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see how, how far I make it into it. Because so far, he doesn't seem super compelling as a character. No. You know, like, a... I, theoretically, you could, I, I, you know, could see something's being spun out of this that was compelling. But so far, it's not really there. There's a twist that I I hope is in the book, but I I sincerely doubt it is, considering where mm-hmm. it has to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Somehow Tigress is in it, like the mm-hmm. weird tiger lady from the last Hunger Games. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to Buffy the Vampire Slayer season well, I mean, six I, part two. I, I wouldn't mind talking about what I've been reading. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um. 
I just finished last night uh, The Hunting Party by Lucy Foley. And today, on a whim, I started The Guest List by Lucy Foley. So that's it. Okay. What are those books about? Um, they are like modern day, uh, kind of, sort of Agatha Christie books um, where people, you know, in The Hunting Party, it's a group of friends from university go to a uh, re- remote resor- a Scottish resort to hunt. Uh, it, that's a feature of the resort if you want to, but really do, they're more they, like social hunting. Do they hunt for, man? They're like sniping for each other. It's more mm-hmm. of an ontological thing. And he, he kind of cuts back and forth. Like, you know that one of the guests will end up dead. And so you're kind of just moving your way to find out who. Um, and then the next book is is like kind of the same thing, but like at a wedding. And I discovered from the internet today that the guest list by Lucy Foley, which I'm reading today is also a favorite book of one Tori DeVito. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Highly acclaimed. Sure. Uh, (laughs) Just picture her watching me reading it while she's just eating my yogurt. Mm -hmm. I'm picturing it right now. Yeah, you are. So Buffy. Yeah. You want to talk about Buffy? We're finally here. Took us a long time to get to see in red, but we made it. Do you have an opening statement? Yeah, I got an opening statement. Um, like the song says, understand we'll go hand in hand, but we'll walk alone in fear. Tell me. Um, as I said before, I I intellectually like the idea of this season, and it's in places it's incredibly, incredibly, incredibly hard to watch. Um, and I don't know if it's just because these characters are my friends and I hate to see them suffering or if, as I also suspect in places, the show doesn't feel like it's really at its best in this season. Like it feels like the ideas aren't the best version of what they could be in execution or they're in conflict with other ideas or or certain authoritative voices that were guiding the guiding hand or like looking elsewhere. Um, I don't really mix more, more mixed metaphors I can get in there. Um, the I think the show does an interesting job of like getting at the silent struggles of some of its characters and like where they leak out, um, like the pain they carry day to day and share only a few. I I kind of appreciate that like all of the characters are suffering in their own fashion. I just don't know if it's always communicated as well as it could be. But I think that's always an interesting thing about Buffy is a lot of times it really is this ensemble who you know buffy has her thing but her other her friends do too and so that's why they can't always like be there for each other um and then there's this whole other thing at the end of of this you know uh, which we're finally here the only way out is through i mean i think when we get to that scene we'll give you a warning and tell you to skip over talking about it um i think the subtext of the show the unspoken nature of all the nastiness implied of vampires is made text in that scene in particular and shown to us in a scene that I was shocked is much longer than I, I than I realized, and I hate that it's played more for a male character's character development than than our main female character. Um, and I just want to say, if it's a trigger to anyone and it reflects something that happened to you or you had to deal with or you're still dealing with or just makes you uncomfortable, I'm I'm so sorry. I know that means so little, but I wish you didn't have to deal with that. Over to you. All right, yeah. Well, we finally made it to Scene Red, the episode of Buffy that felt like it was sticking it to the fans on purpose. Uh, season six is a tough nut to crack because I, I do like a lot of the ideas here uh, about real life being the antagonist rather than something supernatural. And they certainly nailed moments, um, but it just feels like such a relentless slog. Like they 
perfectly capture the essence of a party you wouldn't want to be at, the horror that you can't leave. And then we as the audience can't leave either. Uh, we just have to sit there and, and watch the awkwardness and the bad decisions and the cruelty. Um, even Normalgen kind of can feel like a critique of fandom. It's kind of like questioning the absurdity of the reality of the whole show and not really in a fun way. Um, it's kind of like, hey, everyone who likes this show, maybe you're just coping wrong. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Congratulations to Marty Noxon, I guess, for the sheer willingness to take the show there. But the missteps feel fatal to the overall enjoyment. And uh, we didn't really get that far. But Dark Willow, I just don't find compelling as a villain. Um, much like its characters, Buffy Season 6 is a dark time with a lot of moments we'd rather forget. In hmm. statement. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, as you mentioned, we're doing S6E14, Older and Far Away. We should have done Dead Things. Um, bad job by me for not doing more research beforehand because Dead Things is just more pivotal to this, this, the arc of the season. And better. And better. I mean, this is just kind of like a little bottle episode in, in a lot of ways. Although, honestly, I don't know if I can handle two episodes with viral sexual assault. Um <laughs> Also, in the dead things, it's also both Stephen tonight. I don't know for some reason he was really feeling himself this season. Get on yeah. all the big episodes, letting letting some uh, some horrors out of the box. Uh, in dead things, we glossed over one of the most surreal and vile horrors the show has ever presented to us, which is swing dance night at the Bronze. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's just say real quick: top three moments from dead things. Tell me if you agree. The time distortion scene is it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, honestly. Buffy punching the shit out of Spike and him just taking it so she can like offload her pain. And then of course, Buffy crying in Tara's lap about what she's going through and desperately asking her not to forgive her and not let her off the hook. Yeah. There's one other moment and it's, it's hard to call this a top moment. Um, but when Katrina wakes up and all the little fucking nerds are there, you know, trying to like explain themselves and she like, it's it's almost a shock to the system when she's like this isn't a game this is rape and they're like what like it, just hearing that word like shouted at them i felt like was pretty powerful writing wise uh to kind of like stop with the bullshit like nerd fantasy and like let's call this what it is yeah there's a moment that i um i don't know i just want to mention it so i don't forget it totally but like there's a moment at, end, at the end of seeing red which reminded me of seeing news stories about these like these these uh violators who like burst down in, in tears or burst out in tears when they're finally like given like guilty verdicts or whatever and like realize that they're going to be punished for their crimes mm-hmm. uh man yeah i don't know well, and and a lot of these things and it's partially because of my gender i think but like i my memory has not always included some of the horrors of season six when i've you know carried the show with me the last two decades and these aren't new problems. Mm-hmm. So I got five moments for older and far away. Um, I have three. Oh, wow. Okay. You're really expressing your displeasure through your moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my number five is just a little bit with Anya and Xander trying to set Buffy up and her reaction to it. It's just fun to see. I mean, that's kind of a a staple of kind of interpersonal relationships among friends, especially when you hit this age. So. Mm. although the dude richie didn't do a whole lot with him he was just a real one-off <laughs> richie fucking sucks yeah uh, i guess that was the point uh number four was when tara 
uh, sees Spike and he says he has a muscle cramp. And he goes, a muscle cramp in your pants? Let me just interject to number four. Uh, Spike just pulling it out and just like the way he's uh, addressing Richie in the one moment where he's just like, used to be, I'd eat whatever was in sight. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever like that dude who's like after spike's been like negging him and shit talking him all night that dude's got to think like oh shit this guy's gonna like suck my dick <laughs> what's your number three my number three um uh, when anya calls well calls out willow for not using magic and xander shockingly backs her up for once Mm-hmm. Uh, because I feel like Anya is coming from the perspective of somebody who's watched the previous five seasons of the show, and it's like, wait, since Matt, what, since when is it bad to do magic? Yeah, what's this whole magic is drugs thing? I don't understand. I'm I'm just a vengeance demon who doesn't understand your weird human ways, or like secret revisionist twist to Buffy season six. Everyone but Anya has been like thrust into an alternate universe, and Anya's <laughs> like, what's with all this weird retconning? Mm-hmm. Uh, my number three is, um, I think she's talking to Dawn, but Buffy says it's going to be okay. Trust me. We'll get out of here soon. Cut to <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my number two is when Buffy breaks the sword. Always a big fan when Buffy shows off her super strength. It's a pretty mm-hmm. impressive moment. My number two is a little bit of the one you mentioned, but it's essentially all things Emma Caulfield in this episode. She is the all-star here. Sandra, you goddamn fool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just a, the, the adorable patronization of Dawn. Mm-hmm. You know, I can hear the things you say when I'm in the room with you. Sure you can. <laughs> My number one, maybe this just says something about me, but when Halfrek gets gutted, I cheered. I can't stand Halfrek. She just, just seems like the worst friend ever. Mm. FYI, it's Justice Demon. Uh, and my number one is... Uh, I uh, had a, a muscle cramp, but he was helping. A muscle <laughs> cramp? And you're wearing your pants? What? It's a thing. Right. <laughs> All right. So this episode, coming right after Dead Things, where Buffy thinks she killed Katrina for a little bit, but then they realize it was Trio. And then they, um, the Troika, they're like on the lamb now, I guess, because Buffy found their hideout. Yeah. So... Explain to me why I, I know this is jumping on upset. Why are they renting a whole house just to live in the basement of it together? I, I think they just reuse the same set as the most likely explanation there. Okay. It's oh, like, well, explain to me why all these house houses in Sunnydale have basements. Yeah. Barely huge basements. Yeah. You don't find a whole lot of basements in California. That's right, uh, Mr. Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so Buffy's leaving Dawn alone by herself, so she's gonna hunt out a demon. This demon can like teleport around or whatever. Um Buffy she eventually Yeah, this dude drops a sword, she stabs a dude, and but like she's knocked down so she doesn't see it. This guy like like melts into the sword. And so she's just like gets up and she's like, Oh, he's gone. I guess I'll just take the sword with me. Yeah. So that will come back later. Uh, so after the credits, Dawn goes to the magic box where the, everyone else is planning for Buffy's uh, birthday party the next day, which if you've ever watched Buffy, you know that Buffy's birthday is always a, a bad time. Why do they even bother anymore? Shouldn't they have learned by now? Yeah. No one wants to go to the mall with Dawn. Um, also, Buffy really wants Tara at her party, so they need to make sure that's okay with Willow. Also, Willow is in a Spellcasters Anonymous group. I just, oof, just massive, massive oof when she mentions Spellcasters Anonymous. Give me a fucking break. Uh, I, all the drug stuff is so dumb. 
I mean, is it like full on like, hi, my name is Willow and I'm a I'm a magic addict? Like Yeah, do they do they have to go through all like the twelve step shit? Which is what like, are the, like what are the chips? Like just of, little little witch hats? Little uh, cauldrons? Well, especially because the whole twelve step thing is like pretty tied to Christianity and they're a bunch of Wiccans, but sure. Uh, is this like my, my five year broom? <laughs> it's just like it 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 drives me insane. It's like you can't you just retcon like the past five years of the show and not in like a suddenly have a sister way. Now it's like I know we've used magic as an out so many times on this show and and you know never suggested you could get addicted to it, but now suddenly you can. And it's, it's also like very being on heroin. It's very weird because like concurrently, I mean, so I don't know, man. Like Tara's doing magic. John's yeah, Tara can magic. do magic, and it's like no, it's cool, and she does it. Yeah. Andrew and Jonathan do copious amounts of magic. There's several moments where they're like, oh shit, we really need to do magic. No, no, Willow, don't we? Winter Sandy can't do it. Tara, can you do it? <laughs> you know, it's like, and that's fine. Yeah. Oh, and then later there's a there's a fucking ridiculous. Is it normal game or like the stupid hand wavy thing where it's like, no, 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 I'm not doing the magic. I'm just using the magical ingredients for like yeah. alchemical reasons yeah yeah it's like oh, i can do potions because magic isn't required in that it's like well, are they not magical potions <laughs> i do like in the background of this scene at the magic shop here on his like dusty in a severed hand before she yeah. puts it back um i don't know emma caulfield i feel like she's she's always doing good work even when she's not the focus of the scene mm-hmm. um it, it's insane to me that like this woman never got like a sitcom or something where she could die. I know. Like, I mean, I don't think we'll ever get back to that model, but like if there was ever going to be like a, a pseudo, like I love Lucy esque personality sitcom, Emma Caulfield. Fuck. Yeah. Um, so later when she gets home, it looks like Donna's like stolen a leather jacket for her sister. Um, yeah. She, she wanted to go shop for Buffy at the mall and they're all just like, sorry, we have adult problems. We can't go with you. Fuck you, and, I'll turn to larceny. Yeah, I don't know. When I was a kid, I didn't mind being alone, but I guess Dawn's needy. Um, this is a pretty cool-looking jacket she got. At, for, at first, I was like, oh, this is going to be Dawn's new look, but then she actually got it for Buffy. <laughs> what if she had pulled out well, like a smaller one for her, too, mm-hmm. after she gave it to Buffy? And she's like, It'd no, be a twins. bigger one, I think. Uh, that's true. She's yeah. taller. Mm-hmm. I like how that's a sign later on. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is a delusion. Seriously. <laughs> Um, so the next day at Dawn's school, she's pulled out of class where they're studying Empire of the Sun, which is where the title comes from. It's from the point. If well, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't read the book, but if you've ever seen the movie, it's where Christian Bale finally returns to his parents. And, you know, for all their affection for him, they seemed older and far away. You know, I never have seen the end of that movie. I've only seen the parts where he's like alone. And I just told you, how was it, it like uh, <laughs> China or something? Right. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so anyway, Don gets called to the office because there's a new guidance counselor who just wants to check in with her, and it's the completely awful Halfrack who's just there to be shitty. You know what's crazy to me is that this is a show where they've done the the thing that happens in every TV show set in high school that I've never experienced in the two high schools I attended, where like you have the baby or the egg you need to take care of. But yeah, at the same yeah. time, this is a show where like Don's like my guidance counselor, and like later like Buffy's like, "What the fuck? What's a guidance counselor? Yeah. Are you insane? There's no <laughs> such thing as guidance counselors." It's like, okay, 
This is actually yeah. kind of nice when your guidance counselor is just checking in on you. Except she's actually a vengeance demon and she's trying to kind of neg and prod Dawn here into making a wish just so she can do her thing. Yeah. So at the party, Buffy's gang is coming, uh, also including her friend from Sophie from work, even though Buffy doesn't know her last name. <laughs> I just want to point out too. Like, she's like, how have you been doing, Don? And Don's just like, I've been okay, actually. And she's like, really? Just all this pain and loss you're suffering? <laughs> Let me just make it worse for you so you feel bad? <laughs> um, Onion Zander have invited a dude to set Buffy up with. It's like a dude Xander works for. I guess technically he probably works for Xander. I guess. I mean, it, it seemingly Xander is like a, a foreman of like, I don't know, interior carpentry or something like that. Whatever. Yeah. But like... How old is Richie? And and at that age, I mean, whatever. I don't know. He's doing construction at that age. Sounds like Richie's had some problems with uh, attendance at work too. So yeah, he can't be late. Yeah, real uh, sterling choice for our our little buff buff. Oh, how do you how do you like Buffy's new hair? I like it a lot. It's funny when the I think it's I saw the previously the episode where she cuts it like it's oh, gone. Like she's cutting she's cutting a wig. Yeah, but um, I like it a lot. It looks good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Tara shows up at the party once, checking out what Buffy's doing, asks if Spike is coming, switching they had the whole chat about how Buffy's been secretly fucking Spike. It's fascinating how they somehow managed to make at least Buffy and Tara interact like real friends, but it, like it took them two seasons, you know, like it's really they only started this season being like, hey, let's give these two actors scenes together. And it's not like tons of scenes, but like it's it, they're pretty immediately effective. It's like okay, now Tara feels like more of the group. Yeah, and, and she's like gets to be a person who's not entirely tied like to Willow or, mm-hmm. you know, like worry that can she make a joke if Willow doesn't approve or, or what have you. Not that I think necessarily that Willow enforced that, but it's No, I think it's just that. the way the show was written. It was just so, like, Tara, you're in this box over here with Willow, pretty much. A few years later, watching a, another show called Pretty Little Liars, I always remember the scene where... Aria and Paige finally have a conversation, kind of thinking back to Buffy and Tara <laughs> and just being like, well, that was short lived. Um, yeah, Willow comes down, you know, she's nervous, got this nervous energy to see her ex-girlfriend. Uh, she's wearing like uh, a shirt that's like uh, like a pirate from the Lilith Fair kind of top. Yeah, Willow's fashion in this. What is going on? It's like, we get it. OK, you like girls. <laughs> Where's your um, cutlass? <laughs> um, Where's your cutlass so- and your eye patch, Willow? <laughs> And you're, you're Sophie B. Hawkins. Uh, Buffy zoinks the fuck out of there because it's awkward as hell. Um, I like this desire smoke. So, like, also later, Tara will leave that moment. When Buffy's in the kitchen, like, pouring presumably alcohol, and Tara walks in, Buffy's like, hey, how did it go? And Tara's just like, yes, please. And she just, like, takes Buffy's cup and downs it. Well, is this alcohol? It looks like water to me. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, treated, it it's treated like it's alcohol, though, yeah. you know? Just like, I need a drink, yeah. So Spike comes in the back door, having brought Clem and a six-pack to the party, LOL. Um, Spike's energy in this episode is that he is aggressively desperate to get it wet. Mm -hmm. Like with a six-pack. Well, I mean, you better at least bring a six-pack if that is your goal. I feel like you could bring a classier gift to the party than... Well, these are... I mean, I guess we're... Theoretically, they're like 21 exactly, I guess, like age-wise. So... They're, I mean, he brought like craft brew, it looks like. So they're probably all drinking like Natty Ice right now. Because, uh, you know, 
like our friend Steve, who would sometimes show up to a party with a six pack. And I'll mm-hmm. sometimes tease him and say, how many of those are for the rest of the group? <laughs> <laughs> None, obviously. Yeah, BYO. Um, so Sander walks into his lame setup, dude. Richard, this guy has like bangs. It's a it's a hair look for sure. You don't see it that often anymore, but I, I kind of vaguely remember that being in in the early 2000s. He looks like he's fronting a band that probably had their music video played exactly six times on VH1 during this time period. What was that band? Uh, the guy with the big voice and the little body. Is it The Calling? Anyway. Not sure. Yeah. Um, or like this guy looks like he's like uh, Verve Pipe Jr. Because <laughs> he has like a like a hint of a soul patch, I think, too. Yeah, he's. I'm amazed he didn't die, to be honest. <laughs> I laughed so hard when he I mean, he got like stabbed. Stomach. Yeah, but um, I, guess, I guess he lived. But Buffy and Spike will give each other exceedingly amounts of uh, just like uh, looks, like significant, like ooh, let's fuck looks. I don't know if it's so much from Buffy. I think from Buffy, it's more just like keep it's, your uh, mouth it's having shut. An effect on I me. don't want you here. Yeah. I think some of them are like, okay, this is having an effect on me. Please don't do this here. Um, so Spike's like, fuck that. You know, with this guy, like Tara jumps in immediately. She's like, oh, I don't know. I think he seemed cute. Did he seem cute? I'm certainly not the best judge. And Spike gives her this like sharp, like, what the fuck look. And Clem's just like, yeah, he's cute. <laughs> um, uh, this is where Anya's having her patronizing conversation with Don. <laughs> yes, you are. Because <laughs> Buffy's making an adult friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot of like Spike trying to like corner Buffy in the hall, like outside of the main party. Um, and I mean, like he's like three seconds away from just taking it out. I think he's really he's horny. Going to do that move? Do you remember? I think it's like season two of Mad Men when Don runs into Jimmy Barrett's wife at the restaurant, and he just like puts his hand in there. Yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, I mean, like it, uh, geez, like catwalk at the bronze, I feel like it's one thing hallway four feet from people. Well, I do think they've, Yowza. they've assembled a pretty good roster for a party to just be kind of like you, you desperately want to get away from this place after like, I don't know, a half hour. I don't know that you could, I don't know if this, uh, shindig meets the legal requirements to be called a party. <laughs> I don't know when when your quote unquote party breaks down into that group's playing cards and that group's playing Monopoly. That is not a party. <laughs> well, you've got like you have maybe a game night. You've got Willow Terra energy. They're broken up. But they're kind of around each other. It's you know it's a little weird. Uh-huh. Anya and Xander in general at a party. I feel like that's always prone to some awkwardness. You mean Anya with her accessory, mm-hmm. <laughs> her handbag called Xander Harris. You've got like the friend who doesn't know anyone, and then the the other friend who's here to get set up with, only like it's not working at all. You've got Spike like constantly trying to get Buffy in like back hallways and whatnot to like make fun of everyone else and have sex with her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird vibe for sure. And then of course Clem, who's just Clem, maybe the only decent human or a decent person. <laughs> yeah, not a decent program. human. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Spike even is just like, maybe I'll let you blow up my candle. Um, yeah, so, so present he, time, Willow gives Buffy a vibrator. Yeah. It's like instant gratification yeah, for it's, all your It's 80s. for your back. Yeah. Okay. And again, Spike's just like cocking an eyebrow. Also, Spike's face is still fucked up from when Buffy fucked it up. 
But it's like, I don't know, fucked up in like like a handsome way, like a rackish way. I mean, unfortunately, despite all of his crimes, he does mm-hmm. everything in a handsome way, yeah. a rakish way. Uh, yeah, Buffy opens Dawn's present, which is that leather jacket. Buffy thinks it's gorgeous. It's it also has the security tag. Come on, Dawn. What are you doing? Um, you know what? I'm amazed she got out of the store with it, to be honest with you. Yeah, really. Uh, so Xander's the guy who's like, I made a crazy thing of wood for you. Yeah, a uh, weapons chest. Even though you have a perfectly good one. I mean, we, we've seen it on the show. Um, so Sophie shows up. She's awkward. Says that her mom told her to thank people for the invite right away or she forgets. And also I she can't have like chocolate or whatever. Sophie's aggressively weird. Like it seems like she might be 16 or something. Although I think she's probably supposed to be older. Yeah, I think she's supposed to be older. But it's yeah, it's like that. Um, oh, shit. What is this child doing? Here? Yeah. You start talking about your mom when you show up to a party. That's yeah. that sign. Um, and Anya very discreetly is like, this is the friend you brought from work. Our friend mm-hmm. is better. I mean, is he? I feel like Sophie gets more lines. At least she's trying to be a part of the, the scene. Well, there. I don't know. I'm not the best person to ask, but if you had to plant me at this party to have a conversation, I'm going for Sophie before I'm going for Richie. What's he going to talk about? Construction? Give me a break. Richie just seems like he's standing around, like waiting for Buffy to fall for him, pretty much. Yeah. Uh I feel like if I turn ar- if I if I speak to Richie and then I turn around, I'll accidentally forgotten that he existed. That's what I think of Richie. Um, yeah. So, anyways, Willow goes to the door and shuts it, and then we pan over to Halfrek walking up and like morphing into her like a gross vengeance face and just being like wish granted, and no one can leave. Ha ha ha! ha. <sighs> the vengeance demon face. I mean, her face is ribbed for your terror. Dun dun dun. Uh, so after the commercial, people are dancing, including Clem. Um, Buffy has an awkward conversation with Richie here where she's just like, no, I'm good. I'll get my own drink. See you around. Yeah. Um, and then Spike shows up to tease him like, hey, Buffy, want a soda pop? I think I'm in love. And this was when he's like, touch my dick. Come on. Yeah, muscle cramp. I mean, thank God for Tara. Like, just to quite literally cock block him. Um... In the dining room, Anya and Xander are being the annoying couple of like the no you go, no you go. Because they're out of beer. And Willow agrees to go, but then just like face plants her head instead. Yeah. So if you go, she can't she can't drink because of, you know, the barley. Mm -hmm. Also, I don't think Sophie's 21. I'm not even quite sure if any of them are. Mm -hmm. Um they're playing Monopoly at one point here, which just what an awful party game. I mean, what an awful game. Like I said, general, I don't think this is a party. At a party? Yeah, I don't know. Did, it, I'm curious. Did you ever go to one of those parties in high school like you see on TV shows where it's just like the parents are gone and it's crazy teen party happening with like kegs of beer and all that? No, I'm trying to think. What's the best movie case scenario? I mean, obviously, cancel out 10 things I hate about you because of the size of that house. Really, you're talking about like a can't hardly wait party, right? Maybe not quite that big, but um, gosh, I can't think of a specific pop culture reference. But I feel like you, you've seen a ton of them, right? Where it's just yeah, yeah. like crazy party. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. People think are like the, having sex in the bedrooms. I don't think that the. Uh, in the nineties, the social network to get the word out was as strong either, even if those existed. Or at least not to us. 
I mean, I certainly heard like on Monday mornings about quote unquote these parties mm-hmm. where like so and so got so drunk that he like started dancing on like the uh um table and like he showed his clock to like the the girls' volleyball team. His clock. Did I say clock? I'm sorry. <laughs> There's no time for that. Uh I meant his cock. But I was like, yeah, I don't think that happened. I just don't think you get that many people together, like in our particular high school and mm-hmm. the the makeup of it. Um anyway, so yeah, they're playing Monopoly. Buffy's out. Richard's just like, no way, I think you're doing great. No, buddy, she's out, okay? Um, not far away, Clem and Xander and Spike and Tara are playing poker, and Clem's just like, I'm telling you, it's better with kittens. I think at one point they suggest having a slumber party. It's like 2 in the morning. Which, I don't know, slumber party when you're, like at somebody's birthday party when you're like all 21 and 22. That's a little weird. But, uh called an orgy um yeah. no like i mean so spike makes a comment from his you know part of the, his wing of the party to their wing of the party must be some late night activity to keep us busy till morning dot 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 and no one else but tara picks up on this innuendo <laughs> yeah just like hey how's that cramp spike still bothering like, you honestly fuck you xander not just for your attitude later on in this season but like how did you not <laughs> see God, this he is so awful in entropy um yeah so the next morning willow and sophie are asleep on the couch xander and dawn and clem are watching cartoons yeah they're all here they have not left spike and buffy are like shuffling cards or like flirting or something and like richie walks in he's just like hey xander we have to be at work in a few minutes i can't be late today and this is when spike's just like you should definitely go (laughs) yeah this is the whole thing where he talks about yeah eating doesn't want to skip breakfast and all that I mean, like, Buffy's just like, of course, with that new diet of yours, you want to be careful what you try to put in your mouth, Spiky. And he's just, like, keeps going on where he's just like, maybe I ought to just feed him whatever's around. He's, like, looking this dude up and down, like, you know, it doesn't go down well. Hey, you, uh, work out? And it's like, holy shit, are you going to, like, suck this guy's cock right here? She like, has got to be like, I'm getting seriously mixed signals from this guy. Yeah. Buffy tries to throw Spike out, um, but it doesn't really take, um... And she has some good jokes. We do not joke about eating people in this house. Also, it's like, daytime. Yeah, daytime. What are you going to do, beat me up again? She says, I should throw any out the second he got here. I was insane to think he could ever just hang out with my friends. Um, but they're like, fine, I'm going to leave. But then, like, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, it's it's like basically uh, um, that Bunwell movie. It's Exterminating Angel or Avenging Angel. Um, but, like, uh, Richie also, there's copious amounts of examples in this episode of Richie doesn't know what's going on in Sunnydale. Also has a big red shirt on, which I thought was fitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, for example, with Clem, they're just like, oh, he has a skin condition. Mm-hmm. Um, so Willa goes to find Tara, like, having some cereal in the kitchen. Tara's cereal is either called Homebody or Homeboy. Homeboys. Um, remember when we used to call people Homeboy? <laughs> yeah. What, you buy a cereal called Homeboy? There was the famous television show, Homeboys from Outer Space. That's right. That's right. Um, and like so, Taryn and Willow are just like, LOL, why are we not leaving? Especially since Willow's class. So eventually they all gather together and are like, something's wrong. Yeah. Um, Spike and Buffy have like another little fight. They got this like Catherine Hepburn, Cary Grant, but with leather vibes. Um, yeah, so everyone's gathered in the room. There's something keeping us in this house, or someone Xander suggests. And Clem is just like, I'm fine to stay, actually. Yeah. Willow suggests they all friends. Willow suggests that they all rush for the door as a group. 
Um, and this is where they get into the, like, they're all talking about their jobs or classes that they're missing. And Buffy's just like, we all have somewhere we'd rather be. And Don decides to, like, take this personally and, like, run away. Yeah. Because, oh, I'm sure he just hates, it must suck to be here with me, right? Where? Come on, Don. I was, like, glad that, like, five seconds later, they all assume it's Don. Because I was like, Jesus Christ, Don, you seem suspicious as shit. Um, yeah. Way to make it all about you, Donnie. So well, she I mean, runs upstairs Don... to cry, and then, like, the, the main Scoobies all follow her up there, and it's just, like, eat something you want to tell us? <laughs> the problem with Dawn, though, is that I feel like we don't get a lot of her character outside of the tantrums. Yeah, yeah. So Big it's problem like with her character. You just remember her as being annoying. Um, mm-hmm. So she get out, get out, get out of her room. She yells at them. So the main cast discuss all this shit downstairs in the living room. The phones are out. Um, at one point, I was like, where are Richard and Clem and Sophie? <laughs> like They're like sitting around awkwardly, I guess. Banished to the kitchen while the, the principals have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Hey, plus ones, leave. Um, Buffy wants Tara to do some magic. Tara says, sure, but she needs to bring you supplies. But Willow, like a junkie, has some supplies. <laughs> and they're all, they had just the, the most judgmental looks at Willow for being like, oh my God, I can't believe you kept some fucking herbs on hand or something some magic paraphernalia what the fuck willow you got sage and garlic in this house god you disgusting junkie yeah what is this cumin god damn you um in the kitchen tara then looks like she's mixing dirt from one salad bowl to another and then she lights it on fire i mean the metaphor just does not work because it would be like you're like oh my god i can't believe i i found this like heroin needle and you know like smack on you I'm, I'm taking this away right now. I'm going to do it myself, and it's fine if I do it, but you can't do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's like going out to dinner with a friend, and it's like you can have a drink, but the friend should abstain. I, I don't, I don't yeah. know. But, I mean, I, I don't think the – the problem is there's a couple of things that the show has built into their their metaphor is that you just don't think about too hard because – that's how the architecture of the show stays together. And then they kind of pull these threads for these things. And it's like, it starts to, I don't know, mm-hmm. the foundation starts to shake. Richard's like starting to wonder what's going on. He's like, also, I don't think that guy has a skin condition. Uh, uh, Tara's spell here. It's like a release spell, you know, like release the magic or whatever. Uh, and so you see the little sparkles go and surround that sword that the demon from the beginning of the episode, like absorbed into that Buffy took home with her. Uh, and now he starts to like come out of that sword like a Terminator. There's a lot of like weird. This episode's directed oddly. I don't know if you that you felt that yourself, but like lots of weird cuts and close-ups. Like keep focusing on Spike's ring on his finger for some reason. That yeah. he's like clenching his fist. Yeah. Well, there's it's the there's a shot where like uh, Willow is like checking herself out in the mirror before she comes downstairs to see Tara, and it's like emotionally you know that she like wants to look good to impress Tara, but the way they they cut it's like they, they it's needed a, to it's like a it weird jump cut yeah, yeah yeah um also i feel like come on tara like purposely vague with just release <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so this guy's you know back in demon form and after the commercial he starts attacking them but then as soon as they kind of get the drop on him he'll just like melt into a wall or the floor or something so that's going to be a problem Oh, and then Richie got stabbed or sliced. Slashed. Yeah. Yeah. Like through the stomach. Um, it's funny later where they're talking about in the wiki where they don't take his shirt off, even though you would because it would lead to an infection. But it's mm-hmm. like they don't want the show to be sexual when they're like treating him. I think it's also probably just easier, like effects wise. You know, they wouldn't have yeah, to yeah. do the gore effects as much. They can just like put some dye on a shirt. 
Um, this is where Buffy has the I promise we'll be out of here soon and like cut to nighttime. <laughs> and Sophie's just like, oh, God, oh, God. I mean, she's never coming back to hang out with Buffy for anything ever again. No, she's never leaving her house when she finally gets out of here. Yeah. Um, Spike teases Buffy about, the, did you ever think about just not celebrating your birthday just to try it? Well, Don here is just looking around like, fuck everyone. Like, I don't know, Don, after a dude gets like, like slashed across his gut, maybe then he can stop being, you know, such a teenager and be like, okay, maybe I should tell you what's going on. So so then from this point on to almost the end, the show would do this thing where this demon's like moving around the walls, like growling and like the thing's creaking. And it's like we're in a like a haunted submarine movie all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And it's this would be very cool in a different context. I feel like there's also a weird thing where Anya is like freaking out and she's like, oh, I just feel so hot. And she's like half like tearing her shirt off. I'm not sure why. Like it doesn't like she's the only one who seems to be affected this way. And it doesn't really seem to go anywhere. I mean, I, I'm, I like, guess we're just supposed to see Xander's trying to comfort her as something. Like, I don't know. It's, it's just weird that this is in the episode because it doesn't ex- seem like there's a point to it. Extreme onset cabin fever slash mm-hmm. claustrophobia. I think the, one of the problems of Xander is you saw a little bit in one of the episodes we talked about um, when, like, Giles is just, like, you know, with two paychecks, you should buy a house, all that stuff. But, like, other than that, we've just seen, like, jokey Xander. We haven't really seen, like, Xander carrying around the concerns about getting married. Yeah, and it just, I feel like w- when we get to normal again, that's right after Hell's Bells, it's like the show wants us to sympathize with Xander. Yeah. It, w- it wants us to see it as, like, this was just, like, a bad mutual ish thing, you know, where we can see both sides, but like, we just don't really see Xander's side. of it. It's like, no, he just seems like a piece of shit. Yeah. 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 He left her at the altar. And like, there's so many other ways he could have handled that. Well, and, and the show is very vague about, cause like the, it's like a dude shows up from the saying these Xander from the future shows Xander, like a vision of like how horrible their life will be together. And it's like, you have something interesting there where, he's ultimately revealed to be like a guy that Anya had cursed way back mm-hmm. when. And it's like, there should be something there about like dealing with her demons and him being like, you know, processing them to be with her. But I don't know. It's stupid. Um, Yeah. So this is where upstairs, like Tara's treating Richard's like wounds. Who's like, you know, probably bleeding to death on Willow slash Joyce's bed. Um, I, It amazes me that this guy survives with his like open stomach wound for. Mm-hmm. 12 hours. Uh, so another room on his Xander's is when like I said, she's like almost like stripping out of her shirt. Cause she's like freaking out. Demon Buffy tech Xander. And, yeah. Demon tech Xander. Buffy and Don have a scene or Don's talking about how she hates being alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have like another group powwow here. And this is where Anya's uh, right. Tara's basically like, sorry, we tried everything. And Anya's just like, not everything. Can I just point out that there's like a powerful witch in this room? Who's, Sitting it out. Yeah. And Anya's just like, fine, if you aren't willing to do anything, I'll just get out of here myself. And I don't remember what she does, but it doesn't work. Um, Buffy's room, Willow and Don are talking, and Don mentions her guidance counselor. And this one, Buffy's just like, what the fuck? A guidance counselor? What the fuck? She's like, did you uh, make any wishes to them by any chance? I mean, it's not like Anya pretended to be a guidance counselor back in season three. (laughs) So I'm trying to remember... Anya comes in here. Was she looking for magic shit or something? Yeah, in she, Dawn's she, room. She grabs this box of Dawn's and opens it up and kind of like, I don't know, a, 
a panicked state like you know she's just like rummaging for anything that can help and then it's just like oh it's a bunch of stuff from the magic box that dawn stole because she's a weird klepto because that was her character arc for like a season straight oh we skipped over the thing where where when xander's talking to dawn earlier during a previous tantrum in this episode and i saw on the buffy wiki Apparently there are a contingent of people who think that Xander just took the blame for the musical for Dawn. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I think it's established I, I guess in the text. Could, I guess you could say that. I just don't know what difference it really makes. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's letting him off the hook slightly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, Dawn runs down the living room chased by Buffy and Anya. Like Buffy wants to defend Dawn until she realizes, Oh shit. Yeah. This jacket's also stolen. Yeah, so, Anya feels very insulted because, as we all know, money means a lot to her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's just like, how can I ever trust you? So they figure out that it must be a vengeance demon. So Anya yells for Halfrek to get there. And so Halfrek materializes. And then your favorite moment, she immediately gets run through from behind by the demon. Yeah. She's like, hi, everyone. I'm the shittiest friend. Mm-hmm. We didn't do those episodes, but I, I can't remember which one of those. It might be like Double Meat Palace or Gone. But like when she, Halfrek first shows up and like, it's like she's just constantly negging the shit out of Anya and her relationship with Xander, which not to say that Xander is like a great dude or anything, but it's like, I don't know. I feel like that's like a certain amount of like crossing the line to like be talking that much shit about your like friend, significant other. I'll just say this. The best wedding guest at the wedding is to Hoffren. Mm, okay. I really don't remember much him at all. Um, the Hoffman's an interesting guy. I, I'm going to enjoy getting back to selfless for him. Uh, so Buffy and Spike fight the demon, which melts to the floor again. Hoffman's fine and impaling is just a flesh wound to her. Buffy does a move where she like stabs through the wall to get the guy. And then she breaks the sword. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, they're like, well, aren't men who wronged women the territory of vengeance demons? And Halfrick's like, no, the, the, the rest of them are more well-rounded. Halfrick's thing is like, she goes for bad parents. And we prefer the name Justice Demons, FYI. And here they do the thing where Halfrick recognizes William the Bloody and he maybe recognizes her and they brush past it. Um, I don't know why. I feel like that's only there because they just use the same actress again. But I feel like they've done that before. You know what I mean? Like, like, like a lot of shows do. Like, and sometimes they're, they look different enough that you don't notice and sometimes they don't. Like uh, the guy who played Krychek on X-Files played a guest star, a different, completely different guest star the season before. <laughs> um. But so I think Halfrick it was one of those out, things that like fans noticed and were like, what's going on at this? So, yeah, I guess. Uh, Halfrick points out that everyone's ignoring Dawn that was in such incredible pain. She's just like, enjoy your time together because from now on, all you have is time, time and each other, which does sound horrible. And then, LOL, Halfrick can't de- dematerialize out of there because of the curse. Yeah, her own curse. Way to go. Take that L, Halfrick. Uh, so she has to cancel the, the curse because of it so she can leave. But it doesn't like, you know, remove Recurse. her powers or whatever. Yeah. um so in the kitchen like uh like tara's bagging up willow's magic pot um willow says you know she kept her magic shit as a safety net in case she couldn't stay magic sober and tara tells her time to work out the net um is willow just like not allowed to like use any like herbs and spices when cooking (laughs) how bland her cooking Mm -hmm. like everyone's just like no willow you can't make dinner tonight yeah (laughs) you can hit the button on the microwave and that's about it um yeah she points you know well, or Tara points out that, you know, though, when it did get bad, Willow still said no, which means no to the magic. Um, 
Also, Xander and I are going to take Richard to the ER because this dude's dying. <laughs> they had to do a lot of other like character wrapping up stuff. And then they're like, oh, I guess we should get this guy to the hospital. Um, I'm just like, I want you to get used to two words, Don. Punitive damages. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That's the only thing about Anya. Like, maybe her capitalism doesn't uh, seem as cute in 2020. <laughs> also, this is a pretty funny shot, too, because there's a stand-in as they're all leaving out the door. This guy oh, is Spike. very clearly not James Marsters yeah, at all. Seriously. This is like Nicholas Brendan with a wig. Uh-huh. Um, so it's just Buffy and Dawn at the door. And that's the end of the episode. It's fine, but I don't know. It, it just, I feel like it didn't quite rise to the usual, like high concept Buffy level, you know, where it's like, oh, it's a Buffy birthday. What wacky thing's going to happen this time? It's just like, hey, y'all have to stay at this shitty party. I mean, like, <laughs> If we were like in the Buffy's writer's room with this season and you like pitched this story to me, I'd be like, that sounds great. And then if you handed in this, I'd be like, you're not done. <laughs> yeah. Um, also from the wiki and trivia, supposedly they didn't bleep out the F-bomb in the Rilo Kylie song in the party. Oh, was there a Rilo Kylie song playing in the background? I believe it's what they're dancing to. Okay. Didn't Although that might have changed for the streaming thing. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Ugh. I hate that. Um, uh, yeah, I've I've only encountered that a few times where I've like watched a show later via streaming and they've changed the song and it like, uh, you like you notice sometimes. Well, like, there oh, that that scene was cut to that song. It just seems like such horseshit. Um, there are like certain movies out there that like you can't find on streaming anywhere because like the the music is like essential to the movie and like they can't get the rights anymore. I appreciate when they don't compromise. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, so 617, normal again. This is written by Diego Gutierrez, which I believe is Joss Whedon's like, assistant at the time. I think so, yeah. Um, I have five. I have three again. Huh. Wow, okay. You were not feeling these episodes, huh? Do you, do you even have like one for seeing red? <laughs> I do. Okay. Uh, all right, number five. A few exchanges. I don't know if I necessarily call these. Oh, wait, no. I'm looking at the wrong episode. Number five. Um, Buffy refusing the antidote after Spike's just like straight up cruelty to her. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's dark, but it's a moment. Yeah. Uh, number four, when Buffy notices Dawn is kind of breaking the reality, and she says, "I should be taller than you," <laughs> which is a nice little lampshade on the fact that Michelle Trachtenberg got like way taller over the course of like season five. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, go for your number weird. three. Um, Spike and Xander like getting out the ruler for the contest like more than usual as they're like fighting in the um is it cemetery? But um oh no, it's uh it's two moments. It's one when they have a fight earlier, and then like later when they have to work together, there's an exchange when Spike's just found out that Bobby's having delusions and he's just like, on the other hand, it might explain some things. That being in all that twisted brain of hers, yeah. Thinks up some chip in my head, makes me soft, fall in love with her, then turn me into a sodden sex slave. And Xander's like, what? Yeah. He's like, oh, nothing. Alternative realities. We're all little figments of Buffy's funny farm delusion. You know, in a different reality, you might not have left your bride at the altar. You might have gone through with it like a man. Yeah, this is right after Hell's Bells when Xander, he just takes off, right? Yeah, he takes off. And then he uh, he struts back in like uh, like Ross from the beginning of Friends, like, hi in that episode he does he comes back in this one no no he's, he's yeah i was gonna say he, he, he just he, he leaves just, twice he just fucking Hell's ghosts Bells. and well like, he leaves he comes back he like dumps her to her face and then he leaves again 
Yeah. And he presumably leaves town. I feel like if you're ever in such a situation, you're required, especially if you've invited a lot of guests, to just go through with it no matter what. Maybe just don't sign the paperwork or whatever, and you just quietly end it afterwards. Another Ross Geller move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although I gotta say though, like uh maybe still like cause fuck everything he does is stylish. Like I kind of appreciate how Caleb did it, right? Like it just man, it comes back to the apartment. It's just like half of that closet is gone. Well, that wasn't a wedding though. Still. I'm just saying, if you've got a bunch of guests sitting around waiting, like you, you owe it to them to at least like, you know, get through the day and then handle your shit afterwards. Though counterpoint, I don't know if you remember those guests at that wedding, but like, goddamn, Xander's family are horrible. I don't remember a whole lot other than that Uncle Rory was a massive disappointment. Um, his dad is wretched. Mm-hmm. If anybody, like, if if Xander's dad could have been the guy that Faith accidentally staked in the heart in season three, show would have been better for it. I mean, it just I don't know. I feel like you can imagine a big crazy hijinks ensuing wedding between the two of them where they, they have it out and, and whatnot without like, I think they wanted us to kind of like side with both of them, but Xander's like so much more to blame for everything. And I don't think they did a good job of really explaining his angst about it other than no. like a demon from the future came and showed me this. Well, he's just like, no, I've, I've been feeling this way for a while. And it's mm-hmm. like, this would have been better if it was more supported in the text. Also mm-hmm. Anya's a goddamn like bubbly, beautiful delight over there. Um, and there's like a joke on paper that works that, that comes off kind of flat in the show where it's like the ex- explanation for why all these demons show up is that they're circus folk. Cause that's, mm-hmm. that's Anya's background. Just the lobe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, where are we at? Or, hey, it's it's never premarital sex if you don't plan on getting married, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like there's a potential for, like, rather than just him ghosting, like, a real scene between them where Xander says, you know, oh, it's not that I don't love you. It's just I'm not ready yet or something like that. And maybe they break up. It isn't quite so one-sided. Yeah, I think the, the flaw there is the idea that Xander would have, like, a real like, like, emotional response, yeah. Yeah. All right. Not, my, not like some pithy joke. Yeah. My number three uh, for Norwell again. The end of this episode where it ends with the asylum still. And Buffy's like catatonic. Brain dead. Dark. Yeah. Um, uh, my number two is towards the end. Xander's like showing up. And he's like droning on and on about Spike. And Buffy, who's been like staring off into space like a crazy person for all of this, finally just hits him in the face with a yes, bowl. Yes. Starts beating him up. I think it's like a frying pan or something, yeah. I was like, I could watch an extended cut of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number two is a scene in the asylum where Joyce, who uh, Joyce is back, uh, mm-hmm. she is telling Buffy to believe in herself. And it's like, she's saying it one way, but it's actually happening a different way in reality. Or Buffy's finally deciding that she wants to deal with her life as, as crappy as it may be rather than retreat to this uh, delusion. Yeah. Uh, my number one, I assume it's going to be yours too, is Buffy revealing the will that she had indeed been in an institution before. Oh, you know, that's actually not my number one, although that is a great scene. I should, probably should have put it in there. I just, I put for number one, the scene where the doctor is explaining Buffy's schizophrenia and kind oh. of like, you know, explaining the whole show and how, oh, you know, the delusion started to break down. And so you added a little sister and you had to rewrite your whole reality to make that work. <laughs> it's just like a fun, like meta comment on the show. I mean, the thing about this episode is, 
again, the concept, the idea is great. I'm glad they, they explored this idea. Um, it was an idea that was done almost note for note, exactly the same, like a Deep Space Nine episode the year before. Um, I think Community did it in their run, too. I mean, you see this episode in every like show's run at some point. I believe this is in the Community one. That's when we get the term Crazy Town Banana Pants. Hmm, okay. Um, yeah, anyway. who Was it Abed who was crazy in that one? Well, they all are. They all are? The, okay. Yeah, because John Hodgman is trying to gaslight all of them into thinking that Greendale was uh, an asylum that they were all in. Mm. And that explains why the, the show is so wacky is because they're in an asylum. Anyway. Um, so we start off with Buffy walking through the suburbs looking for her nerds, the Troika. She's got a list of new rentals and she's crossed off a bunch of you know entries already. She's on to them. She's actually outside the nerd's house. Um, you know, I'll say this though. Thank God they didn't just like do the thing with like the copious amount of like vacant factory space in Sunnydale. Like, I guess it's a, a different house. location. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Warren shoots Jonathan with like a super soaker because he fell asleep on watch or something like that. And it's it's so clear that like Warren thinks he's a leader and it's also like planning on it, like hanging Jonathan out to dry here. Well, Jonathan is cracking the fuck up after mm-hmm. them killing Katrina. Um, Andrew is clearly in love with Warren. Yeah, well, Jonathan in the previous episodes, even going back before Dead Things, was so clearly just like enamored with the idea of like having these friends, you know, these geeky friends that he could do cool stuff with and like, you know, they get lots of money and, you know, it's just like geek fantasy. But like as soon as Katrina dies, he's like horrified by the situation. And Andrew is to some extent, but like not enough. Whereas Warren Um, is just like in his element. To quote Andrew from the end of Dead Things, he says, the fact that we got away from murder is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So Andrew, it's crazy. I mean, we talked about how like we're going to do like Storyteller in season Mm -hmm. seven. And I'm like, I can't believe we got there a year later with that character. Yeah, really. Uh, So Buffy's like, uh, you know, above ground peeking inside the house. I guess she won't see anything because these dudes are like, only living in the basement, so they. I, mean, I guess you could say the... that's kind of smart. I don't know. To if you go look at the house above, you wouldn't notice anything. I mean, like if you weren't going to like employ blinds. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Andrew gets like his like weird long like musical instrument thing. Uh, his magic pipe. Yeah, his magic pipe to summon pipe. A, a demon to attack Buffy, and it it ends up like injecting her with like its stinger or something, and that's what will make her you know, have these hallucinations for the rest of the episode. Yeah. This demon wearing a trash bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she like flashes to like a room in a mental hospital where she's, you know, also being injected and sedated by some orderlies. And, you know, it's indeed a mental hospital. There's some patients scudding around. There's bad pit from 12 monkeys. There's a lot of like just jump cuts between like something happening in the Buffy verse cutting to something happened to her in the uh, sanitarium here. Yeah. So after the credits, Buffy wakes up back in that alleyway and the demon's gone. Um, so the next day you see Sunnydale, like Willow's outside, like in the quad area, like waiting for Tara to walk by, like practicing, asking out Tara out for coffee. And this all felt love. very sitcom to me where yeah. it's like, oh, she's practicing asking her out. And then like she turns around the corner. Oh, what's that? Tara's smiling as uh, some other girl and like kisses her on the cheek. Oh, no. Like, I don't know. Just, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So Buffy or so Willow freaks out and runs off. Um, at the Double Meat Palace, Buffy's still working there. I mean, these outfits are a crime. They seriously are. I, I remember Orange. There's, there's a point in season seven 
where like we haven't heard from the Dolomite Palace in a pretty long time. And then like Buffy just like comes home from work one day with a bunch of food from the Dolomite. It's like, holy shit, you're still working there. Give me a break. I want to say she quits in the first episode of season seven. Does she? It's I think it's pretty quickly because okay. she becomes a quote unquote guidance counselor. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, what the fuck? Is that even real? And then we find out later it's not. Robin Wood just made that up that position for her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so at double meet, she's like walking around in a daze, and her boss is like, Buffy, if I didn't know any better, I think you're on drugs. And like Buffy's just like, Oh, okay, good. And we cut quickly back to the middle institution here. Also, she's burned the fuck out of those fries. Yeah. Uh so Willow's doing her regular hacker stuff here, trying to figure out where the uh Troika is. Also, she's trying to see if Xander emailed, really. Um, no luck. No emails from Xander. Um, so Buffy asks, you know, why Willow isn't out with Tara. Does Xander use email? This is still back in the era when, like, not everyone was, like, a computer person. That's, this is this is why Willow's at the computer. She's mm-hmm. just checking her emails. Um, Willow mentions that she saw Tara from another girl for inconclusive reasons. Um, and I'm like, holy crap. Is this the first time that these two have gotten to talk about like their love lives mm-hmm. in like a year? Um, Willow's like, oh, I'm sure they're just friends. I press my lips against my friends all the time. Mm. Yeah. And Xander comes back and gets a big hug from both of them. And is basically just like, I'm the one who's really suffering here. Let me ask you about this, uh, this social etiquette move. Okay. Do you want to get to this level of eating? familiarity? I just took a sip. Sorry. Okay. Do you want to get this level of social familiarity for friends where you ring the doorbell and then let yourself in? Um, I would not do that personally. I especially would not do this if the friends that I was visiting were all women. Okay. I don't know if it really makes a difference gender wise for me. I just would not let myself in uninvited. I don't want to make like someone uncomfortable if they're walking around in town. Mm-hmm. I just I feel like you can you could also respect men that whose houses you're going to, yeah. uh, and not just let yourself that's in a, there too. That's a big ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh no, I saw your dong. Sorry. Um. So Xander <laughs> finds this fine on yeah. Her clothes are gone, and there's a close sign in the magic box. Um. And he starts going this whole thing about like, I know I'm a better person for my life and things got so complicated at the wedding and my family and her demons. Maybe you should have explained that to her instead of just running away. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is bad. Petulant drunk Sanders is even worse. Oh, God, and Buffy's yeah. just like, hey, we all screw up, buddy. Mm-hmm. Well, Fuck it's up. a whole thing where Buffy, everything, anytime another character this season is talking about something, she's thinking of her and Spike and, you know, the, the bad decisions she's made. And so she's not perhaps offering the sort of uh, support she could be. Okay, here's my problem with the Buffy and Spike storyline here. Mm-hmm. Here, here, is it's clearly two different writers, two different agendas attacking it. Because all of the That's the scenes, whole season is that problem. But all of the scenes with Buffy and Spike, it's not just that the actors have incredible chemistry that wants to, you know, be amplified. They're writing scenes with them where, like, they're starting to enjoy each other. Like, mm-hmm. like she's not. It's not just that she's like having great sex. It's like they're flirtatious. He will mostly get her. Oh, well, they mean, have a they have a comfortable vibe with each other. Then he will, yes, neg her mm-hmm. like unforgivably. But like that is part of this other thing. It's like whenever she's away from Spike and she's just like, "How could I let that vile monster 
do these things to me. And it's like more, I think, a case of like, I don't think Spike is necessarily the bad guy in the present that you're portraying him as, but she's like massively projecting upon him. It just feels her disgust like disgust of herself. It just feels like these are two characters who have good chemistry together, but somebody, I don't know who, somebody on the writer staff is like leading the charge to be like, let's make sure we just like kind of like take a dump on it whenever we can be like, this is bad. This is bad. He's a vampire. This is bad. Or he has no soul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, the the storyline of like oh i'm locked into this like toxic relationship that i can't tell my friends about is not necessarily a bad impulse it's just not fully presented in the text mm-hmm. well and, and buffy and spike feel like a more natural pairing than say like her and riley riley was also try hard or like buffy somewhat does walk in the shadows and so like it makes sense that she'd be more comfortable with somebody like spike yeah, did we not spend uh, three seasons setting up that there's a dark side to Buffy that she, mm-hmm. you know, enjoys letting take over? Like some of the stuff with their their risque sexual behavior is not a problem if she consents. Like even the thing on the catwalk in Dead Things in the bronze is, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily recommend it, but it's well, I not- think the the problem with that is that it was only questionably consensual and it's kind of portrayed in this way of like spike's gonna do something to to kind of um sully buffy as like a power move you know it was was very much and tied up in this like i don't know sexual power game type thing rather than just being like these are two horny people but i mean i think it kind of gets into a little bit of and this is where finding the line and the line needs to be defined and it it, it's massively important but like uh like a 50 shades almost snm thing you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like if if the temporarily giving up her power is exciting to her and consensual, that's okay. I mean, there's a reason why supposedly like um like a lot of the people who go to like dominatrixes are, you know, people who are have high powered CEO jobs or whatever. It's like they crave being out of control for a time. Uh, whatever. We're not the best people to discuss this, but anyway, Bobby's on patrol, she runs in the spike. He asks about the wedding, and she has to tell him that Xander like ditched on you at the altar. And he's like, "Man, what a loser!" Yeah. Uh, he he. Well, I mean, pointed comment. He says, "Yeah, some people don't know a good thing when they've got it." Mm-hmm. Uh, so Xander shows up, mouths off the spike, and like spikes like sticks it to him about running off. So Xander punches Spike, and like Buffy doubles over and flashes back to the mental hospital. The doctor's like, "You've been here for six seasons now, and a movie." Um. And the doctor's like, look who's here. And it's Joyce, but also Hank Summers. Yeah, they brought back fucking Hank. They brought back Hank for this episode. <laughs> of all the episodes. Uh, like the whole thing where like Buffy was dead for a hundred and something days. <laughs> they bring <laughs> him back for this one. And Joyce is just like, Buffy, welcome home. Um, So after the commercial, Buffy seems lucid. Hank starts talking and she like flashes back to the cemetery where Willow and Xander like lead Buffy away to help her, leaving Spike behind, unable to take care of her. Um, he's like calling out like, you know, she likes a wet washcloth on the back of her neck. And they're like, yeah, fuck you, loser. You don't know shit about our friend. <laughs> um, uh, is this where she kind of explains to them like what the what she's experiencing here? These hallucinations, yeah. she kind of sits them down. Well, and, and then Xander, Dawn has to immediately like take it personally again. Well, but also like gearing up for like his role in the group when she talks about like how she was like poked by the demon and Xander's like, when you say poke, 
And she's like, in the arm, jackass. Yeah, come on, Xander. Dude, like, don't don't police my vagina. Also, did you notice that Willow's look in this is like fairly old school Willow? Like oh, she's she's not wearing like the pirate like flouncy outfit anymore. She's she's got like classic willow ponytail and just like a sweater. But I don't want to be a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, oh, there's one of the sequences in one of the earlier episodes where she's like uh, seeing Tara on the street, and I think she's wearing the evil pirate blouse that that Dark Willow will eventually mm-hmm. adopt. How do you pick out your fashion when you decide to go full evil? Like, I think you you're just it's got to be black. But, but like that's step one. Like if you have several black entries in the closet, are you just like scrolling through? Like hmm. I think you need like evil shoulders, evil shoulders. But you're like also mm-hmm. I need to breathe. I want to be able to move. I want to be really live in this this thing. I'm gonna do a lot of gestures. Yeah. Um. So she's down with the mental hospital and it, where everything inside that was a hallucination. Joyce and Hank were there. So uh, this is where the doctor kind of lays it out the whole thing here. Yeah, as Willow's like giving out the group research assignments. Um. And the doctor's explaining, like, it's, uh, I do find his, uh, his thing kind of funny. Like, the Slayer, right. But that's only one level. She's also created an intricate latticework to support her primary delusion. <laughs> and he talks about three pathetic men, little men playing with toys, and it cuts to the Troika. Yeah. They like to play with dolls. <laughs> yeah. It's like she used to fight gods and monsters. Um, so meanwhile, Warren and Andrew come back to the nerd basement where like Jonathan is like super paranoid. Well, because um, they've like gone out and been doing something and they won't tell him like what this stuff they have is for. And yeah, it's like he's no longer included in their planning. He's just along for the ride. How sad is it that poor Jonathan, like the other two are like, that guy can't hang anymore. <laughs> Adam Bush does such a good job playing just an absolute piece of shit. Um, yeah it's it, he's so where, he's so manipulative and condescending it's that thing where it's like because of how good he is at uh, saying these characters i hate adam bush yeah yeah pretty much it's probably a lovely man in real life amber benson he dated him. that guy for that long yeah uh did you ever watch her movie that uh she starred in and wrote in wrote directed and starred I, in and i think james marshers was like her best friend in i did not know hmm. um so at Buffy's house, she's like just like sitting on the couch, like zoning the fuck out while looking at a picture of her parents and her. Willow has found the demon since it's got like a stinger that also contains the antidote. And Buffy's just like, I feel so lost. You know, even before the delusions, and she says that she, she feels detached, she can't snap out of it. And this one, Willow's like, Buffy, you were you're not an institution. You've never been an institution. Buffy's like, Yes, I have. Yeah, this is pretty dark. And she's talking about when she first, you know, became the slayer and she told her parents about it. And so they just like committed her. For a few weeks yeah until she like stopped talking about it and then they let her out and they just sort of forgot about it eventually oh and this is you know this is where the the primary terrible thing that can occur to you is when you can't even trust your own mind because she's like well, what if i'm still there like what if i never left that clinic definitely one of my biggest fears being uh held against my will in an institution did you ever see unsane no for that for, for exactly that reason i was like fuck that i'm not watching that I was kind of curious too because I was always just like I saw it in the theater, but like I was kind of like, what are the things you don't say? Because <laughs> like that's the thing you got to. Well, it's like a catch twenty two. You got to explain to people who think you're crazy that you're not crazy. And yeah, yeah. Well, and in that movie, it's like she said like a couple of the wrong things, 
And then like the doctor just hands her a clipboard and says, hey, sign this real quick. Mm-hmm. She signs it. And then she's like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, you just signed yourself in to be committed. And she's like, the fuck? Yeah. Um, yeah. So Buffy, this is when, or sorry, this is when Spike and Xander are out looking for the demon. Um, and Spike says, so none of us are real, huh? Bloody self-centered, if you ask me. <laughs> Xander actually managed to be halfway useful by like shooting a couple trank darts. At this thing, I like that they they got the old uh, werewolf trank gun out of storage after like a year and a half. Yeah, <laughs> they just like pull it out of the rubble of the high school. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like Spike breaks its neck, but he clearly doesn't. Anyway, yeah, yeah, because um, this thing's still alive later. So Buffy's room, like Dawn brings Buffy some tea. Buffy realizes that she's just like falling apart. She's got a fever. Buffy's talking about how they need to like bring Dawn's grades up, do something about the stealing. And she's like, is Willow doing your chores for, for you? And Dawn's just like, hey, 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 buddy, don't make this about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I passed some of my, my chores off to that junkie. Um, Buffy flashes to the mental hospital. Like Joyce, you know, wants Buffy to say she doesn't have a sister. Joyce tells her that your mom and dad just want to take her home and take care of her. Like, so Buffy like reaches for Joyce and like in the real world, she's like caressing Dawn's hair. And this is when the, you know, Dawn throws a hissy fit. And she's like, I'm not even there in that alternate reality. Yeah. And she's like, it's once again, it's all about me. Like in older and far away, they literally have Dawn do the thing where she throws herself face down on the bed and like hits with her fists while kicking mm-hmm. like the classic tantrum pose. Ay, ay, ay. Um, so in the basement, Spike and Xander are like struggling to tie up the demon. It keeps kicking Xander or Xander in the shin. The will's like ready for business. Like Xander should be physically dead after this episode. Yeah, he gets like, knocked the, around quite a bit. Like, like he should have like a broken back. I don't know. Is this like us trying to be feel bad for Xander? No, I'm just saying Bane did less to Batman. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just wondering if like the show is like we're we're gonna have him get beat up a lot, so you you don't feel as bad for him, or or you know something, like, or you don't feel as bad for Anya. You feel worse for him, something like that. I remain impervious. Yeah, if that's the attempt. Uh, so sp- finally, Spike gets a chain to the post. It is. Like, n- it is nice to see Willow in more of her like sciency mode here. Mm-hmm. It it felt more like old Willow. Yeah, like uh, I love cause Willow. Kind of like stabs this thing in the arm, causing it to like shoot out its like stinger, which she immediately breaks off. Yes, it's kind of badass. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hot. It's like a, uh, a uh, metaphorical castration. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I loved it. Um, I'm tingly. So she sends like, Xander off to the magic box to get some things, says that they're going to you just use it for its medicinal properties, <laughs> not the magical ones. Sure. And she'll have Xander meet her at the college labs to brew up an antidote. Um, Which she then brings to Buffy. Buffy is just in her, in her bedroom here. Buffy looks like super out of it. And then like Spike like just comes up to like have a chat. And so Will is just like, okay, I'll leave without watching you drink that. And then Spike is just like, I'm going to say some horrible shit to you. Yeah, he's like, here's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, and so basically Buffy at that point is like, this this world is so horrible that maybe I'd rather be in a mental hospital. I won't drink it. I mean, what's, what I'll say this is fascinating to me is in Hell's Bell, they have a conversation, her and Spike. It's very brief where like he's clearly there for a date to hurt her. And she shows up and she's just like, trying to hurt me with the state and he's like yeah is it working she's like yeah and like he says something nasty to her and she like takes it and then they immediately are just like look we know we're just going through like the breakup thing you know it's like it's like it's almost like a very realistic sweet moment and then here it's like here's just like petulant like 
Well, he's doing the whole, like, I'm going to tell your friends about us if you don't, like, I'm forcing you to, like, see that this is a a real thing. Yeah. Or, like, let me just, like, take you down a couple pegs, Mm -hmm. too. Because, essentially, she's she's wounded here. Uh, (sighs) So she, you know, decides she'd rather uh, live the hallucination. And so, in the mental hospital, the doctor's just like, well, you're just going to have to get rid of all the things that you cling to in that world. It's like all the, you know... Uh, your safe holds, uh, your friends, you're just going to have to murder them all. <laughs> Enter the 2003 movie Identity, starring John Cusack and Amanda <laughs> Peet. Yes. Um, which is, uh, you know what? I like that movie. It's fun. It is. I mean... It's ridiculous, but it's fun. The, uh, the, the big twist, I'm not <laughs> so sure about, but over, I, I like the, the general idea of... Uh, there's two mis- twists, though. There's two, yeah. But the general idea of the, the strange mystery at uh, a small motel you know that people are stranded at like a the general vibe of it i enjoy Everyone a lot has the same birthday mm-hmm. so i was going up the stairs i met a man who wasn't there it wasn't there again today i wish i wish that that movie has a a pretty classic this is a minor spoiler but it's just for the first part where like you meet i believe it's ray liotta's character yeah yeah um and there's kind of like a long scene with him and then he uh he takes off his jacket and there's a big blood stain on his uh, the back of his shirt underneath because he's uh, clearly killed the person and taken their clothes. Well, he he shows up as like uh, uh, like a federal marshal, yeah. the guy you can trust. He's like there to be authoritative. He like restores some like sense of normalcy. Everyone's like takes a sigh of relief, and then yeah, like he takes off. Well, he takes off his jacket, and you see the hole in the back of his shirt, but you see that it's clearly not his blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then you see a, a bat shoved like two feet down Jake Busey's throat. <laughs> um, so he said that we need to keep those things that, you know, keep going back. Like you said, um, so like she had a momentary awakening last summer. It was then her friends pulled her back in, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is funny if the mental hospital was heaven. Um, anyway, so we kind of get so, like the, the Terminator Buffy vibes here where she's like going to talk to Willow and she has this kind of like glassy placid look on her face. And Willow's like, I'll make you some food. Come on. And, it's like, oh boy, what's going to happen to Willow? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of really effective. But I'm just thinking, like earlier this year in the mental hospital, was this catatonic girl just being like, yeah, she's singing. <laughs> oh, she's the whole like time. drooling, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, hitting Xander yeah, in the so, head with a frying pan because he won't shut up. Yeah, yeah. So this is when she like drags Xander like head banging off every single like slat of the stairs in the basement. Willow's also tied up and the demon's tied up still. And Buffy locks them all in the basement and she goes upstairs and calls the Dawn because she's next. This is pretty dark for her to just like, like Dawn slowly realizes that like Buffy's going to attack her here, you know? I did not remember this part of the episode at all because I haven't seen this, I don't think, since the first air. And I was like, Buffy's like, just like, it's the only way I can get healthy. Yeah, I was kind of into it. Um, yeah, so like, uh, uh, you know, like Dawn's just like, you know, this isn't you or whatever. And like Buffy's like, sure it is. Because what's more real? A sick girl in institution? And Dawn's like, please don't. Like, listen to me. Or some kind of super girl chosen to fight demons, save the world. That's ridiculous. Got a it, girl fans? who sleeps with a vampire she hates? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So Buffy has taken Dawn to the basement, tied her up and gagged her. Like Xander watches like Buffy pulls at the chains, binding the demon and frees him. Creepy the way it cuts back to the mental institution where her parents and the doctor are like, it's okay, you're doing good. Take your time. Make it as easy for yourself as possible. And so Buffy's like, 
I'm just going to go let this demon we have tied up go, and he'll do it for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a quick, easy way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's only like the doctor saying, like, you need to personally murder all of these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Tara shows up, and I don't know if you're supposed to get, like, a little bit of, uh, they want to get, like, a little worry for Tara into your system. Yeah, I don't know. To me, when I was watching, I was just like, oh, well, somebody who can help out because she can do magic because she's not addicted to it. Yeah, when she's not mixing like some dirt from one salad bowl into another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's just like, hello, anybody home? And like uh, Xander's getting like thrown around by this thing, like into walls, into tables. Like, oh, I'm sorry, this pudgy little man should be dead. <laughs> like His spine is jelly. Uh, he's just like, Buffy, help me. And she's just like staring off. Um, and like in the mental hospital, Joyce is just like, keep going, Buffy. It's going to be okay. Um, yeah. And the kind of like dual meaning here, you know, we have all the faith of don't your dad and I have all the faith in you in the world. We'll always be with you. You've got a world of strength in your heart. I know you do, you know, you just have to find it again. And that obviously means something different in the real world. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see Buffy or Willow hitting that thing with a baseball bat. Yeah, but it's uh, it's believe in yourself. And then Buffy turns to her mom and she finally is like a little more like lucid. And she's like, you're right. Thank you. Goodbye. And like Buffy kind of rises up like Carol Danvers in the mm-hmm. like the Captain Marvel trailer. And starts like fighting the demon and like throws in the laundry machine, punches in the guts. Or so much so that her hand turns all gooey. And she pulls I mean, it she back out. Punches like straight through. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty impressive. She manages to defeat the hallucinations without the antidote. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And then she's just like, I really need you to make some more of that antidote. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tripping balls here, man. Um, also, I just want to say before we go into the next one we're going to cover, look at Buffy's like power levels. Like look at her stats because they're going to severely depower her. How do you mean? Forward. Well, like there are things that Buffy I don't should know about be the able scene to. scene in red? Yeah, yeah. She should be able to resist certain things. Well, they, they do easily. something very specific before that scene. Right, right. With the back her. injury. Yeah. But, ugh. Um, yeah, so in the hospital, you know, we get the, the coda here where the doctor's like shining the light in Buffy's eyes and she's totally catatonic. And he's like, Sorry, there's no reaction at all. I'm afraid we lost her. Like Joyce cries and Hank comforts her. Well, it just like pulls back through the uh the the window in the the hospital room there and then just credits, uh, which is a weird way to the end the episode because it never it's like, was it? Was the hallucination actually the real world the whole time? We don't know. Leave it up I to mean, you like, guys. I think if you're going to do this episode, of course you're going to end it like this. It's just sitting there. It's just waiting for you to do it. But as Marty, Marty Noxon points out, it's just for fun. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the whole show happened. Because if it didn't, Buffy's never empowered. You don't have girl power. It's, you know, you're not going to throw all that away. Yeah, so it's time now. S sixty nineteen, seeing red. Steven tonight. Just continuing his tour de force this season. Let me see. what Which ones does he have besides these two? So he did All the Way, which is the awful Halloween episode uh, with Dawn like, running away. Yeah. Better, re- better rethink that, son. Mm-hmm. And then he did Dead Things. And is, then he uh... did Seeing Red. <laughs> he's, he's got a wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have also loved to cover Entropy. I think that's a very interesting episode. I, I'm not a big fan of it. When... They, yes, you know, yes, they yes. see Willow the in the camera feed. Yeah. Well, they they see the video of Spike and Ani going at it, and Xander runs over there, and just he's like the the slut shaming is so off the charts with Anya. 
It's just like, I, I, you're disgusting and I can't believe you had sex with him. Like, mm. ugh, it, it's just, it's really gross. Yeah, I agree. And he's not much better in this episode. No, um, I kind of find his little, like, uh, um, Mia Culpa of Buffy to be empty at the end. Well, it's, sometimes, it's like, Xander, it's not about you, you know? Yeah. So every once in a while. Uh, but anyways, this episode, it, it's it just seems cruel because it starts out with, like, a pan over the, the Willow's bedroom. He has some kind of clothes scattered on the ground to Willow and Tara in bed. They're wrapped in the sheets, clearly uh, just, you know, post-coital there after the throes of passion and just everything's great. Nothing is ever going to go wrong for them. You have no top moments at all. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Forgot. (laughs) (laughs) I do have five. Yeah. This is really like the part one of like essentially like a four part finale. I have five as well. So you go ahead and start. Uh, Some exchange between Buffy and Xander here. Buffy says, you don't know how hard it's been. And Xander goes, what lying to me? God, what an ass. And Buffy says being here. And then Larry says, you could have told me. And Buffy says, you didn't want to know, which is, I don't know. Yep. She's being so kind to Buffy or not to, or to Xander. Buffy is uh, when she could really just put him in his place and be like, you fucking tool. You have no right to judge any of us. I can't wait to get the selfless. Yeah. Um, my number five is in the cemetery. It's the moment you're talking about where they, they find a way to depower her where she's like fighting a vamp and he doesn't move. And she's just like, not bad. How hard are you going to hit when you're blowing in the wind? She like, stakes him, and right as he's like turning the dust, he kicks her so hard that like she flies into a tombstone and breaks it. And pouting, she says, "That was rhetorical." Mm-hmm. I feel like she like gets thrown into headstones so often on the show, and yet for some reason, then it really hurt that time. Yep, yep. Uh, That's what I'm talking about. It's it's like it's the hand it's the hand waviest of hand yeah. wavy. Uh, number four. When she's at the the Troika's, um, you know, underground layer there and like there's like a death trap that they spring on her and she does like a pretty cool kind yeah. of like aerial move or she jumps in the air and like twists, you know, it's like it's a what is it last crusade like one of those deals where you have like the the various like saw blades like, coming from different angles but it's like it's like she does like a last crusade meets like a crouching tiger kind of yeah thing. Yeah. yeah it's a pretty cool move that the, the stunt work i think has gotten better since they replaced the stunt crew in season five hmm. um my number four is it's uh, in the moment you wanted to jump right into with willow and tara in bed and willow's just like i know this is gonna sound crazy but i think something might be going on like with spike and buffy and tara's like they've been sleeping together and willow's like well i wouldn't go that far and she's like no they have they're totally fucking <laughs> willow's just like what how, how do you know anything that i didn't tell you <laughs> yeah, seriously do you exist when i don't look at you <laughs> uh my number four or no three three sorry uh, is when Anya is talking to the uh, you know the heartbroken girl at the bar, <laughs> theoretically trying to be a vengeance demon, and like every time the girl becomes close to saying "I wish something about him," she like Anya just cuts her off because she's so wrapped up in like her own bitching and you know complaining about what's going on. Here's the problem: that scene is great on its own. Mm-hmm. That same joke is employed in Entropy. Where in Entropy, the whole episode, she's trying to get people to say, I wish something towards Xander. I think this is like the follow-up to it, where the girl's actually going to say it, but like Anya well, like, doesn't care. Well, because they, they cap it in Entropy, though, where she finally gets somebody who's about to say, I wish something negative towards Xander, and she cuts them off as she starts monologuing on her own. And it's basically, this is just that, again, expanded. Mm-hmm. 
Um, my number three is when Dawn goes to visit Spike. Um, she's like, you're not coming around anymore, are you? And he's like, stares off in the distance. He's like, it's complicated, Niblet. And she's like, kind of laughs because that's what she keeps hearing. She's like, everybody's been saying that. And he kind of looks down. He's like, must be true then. That's he drinks. That's like, I don't know, kind of what inspires Spike to go see Buffy, right? Well, that and then Dawn caps it with, if you wanted to hurt Buffy, congratulations. It worked. Yeah. Uh, my number two is when Warren says, say goodnight, bitch. And then Buffy says goodnight, bitch, and kicks his ass. Fuck Warren. Uh, my number two is right before that, when uh, she first starts their fight with them. And she says, you really got a problem with strong women, don't you? Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about the fucking depowering, though, is that's part of the Buffy thing, is that... For the first time, you have a character who doesn't have to carry around that eternal fear that some man Mm. is going to just overpower her. But for the purposes of this episode, they need her to have that fear. All in service of Spike. Yeah. She doesn't even get to really have a fallout after it. My number one, in some ways a horrible moment, but um, dramatically effective. Your shirt. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean. I hear you. Uh, my number one is the moment you mentioned when uh, Warren is just like, say goodnight, bitch. And she crushes his magical balls and says, goodnight, bitch. Really and on the nose s- there with his orbs. Spin kicks. Yeah. You know what, though? I fucking loved it. I was like, you owe me that show. <laughs> if nothing else, I'm sorry. You owe me this moment. I don't care how simplistic or easy the joke it is. I, I couldn't remember exactly how she crushed him. I was really hoping it was something where she just like literally kicked him in the balls. And like that's where his pouch was or something. Uh-huh. His other pouch. I would have loved to seen her like smash those balls in her hand like Kylo Ren at the Wayfinder. Mm-hmm. Just like, yeah, bitch. Um, all right. Yeah, so the episode opens with Willow and Tara talking about how they're going to go get a boat called Live Forever. <laughs> and Willow finds out about the uh, Spike and Buffy situation. I told you about the C word. Mm-hmm. I'll leave when I'm good and ready. Um They've apparently been having like a marathon of all night sex the, to the point where they're shocked that it's suddenly day, though they clearly broke at some point because Willow had talked to Buffy after she got back from the magic box. Sure. I don't know if they'd pay that close attention to continuity, but uh, Willow comes out and then Dawn sees her and, and then she sees Tara like come out in like a bed sheet and it's like, oh, uh, but Don's super happy about this situation, obviously, because these are like kind of Don's real moms now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she, uh, I think before we even had a word for it, she squeezed. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, Buffy kicks in the door to the Troika's hideout. She's got she's a like, cool red something. leather jacket on. There's a, she's good at the red leather. Uh, there's a moment I love where she finds a Vampirella action figure and makes a face. Yeah, I almost put that in my top moments. God, <laughs> fucking Vampirella. I can remember even being just like a dumb, like 15 year old reading wizard magazine full of hormones, seeing like Vampirella art and just being like, that seems like a bit much. Yeah. 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 But I think like when this show and this concept first got pitched, the, the clearest thing you could tie it to is like, what is it like would be Vampirella. And I love just seeing something so much better than Vampirella holding it. In its Was Vampirella like, actually Ugh. similar like plot wise? Well, I I believe she is a vampire, but she fights vampires. In basically like two band-aids and a cork. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. yeah, it's it's 
it's it makes the, the power girl outfit look uh conservative for it's, sure it's a comically stupid outfit it's like incredibly yeah yeah i i mean that's my understanding is i believe that she is a vampire but i think she fights vampires i've never actually mm-hmm. consumed vampires. yeah i would i would only <laughs> yeah. ever see the art in like wizard magazine and just be like serious like god and they come on fanboys have a little self-respect and they I maybe they know their audience, and it's not necessarily my total demographic because they aggressively marketed Vampirella to nerds. Uh-huh. Um, so she sees on the whiteboard too late, and then there's shit ton of spinning buzz saws come like out of everywhere, like cutting this place up. It's, who do, who of the troika kind of was like? Let's get some bead curtains in here. That's a good question. I'm going to say Andrew. Okay. Because not um, Warren. Warren's not a bead curtain guy. Warren like. The, the only thing this show didn't get right with Warren, like based on kind of like the future of the incel community is like him wearing a fedora. Yeah. Complaining about Chad's mm-hmm. spikes of Chad. Um, like I, I think the thing about Warren, as we'll see what we saw in dead things is he thinks he's classy. He thinks he's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't think he would go for bead curtain. Whereas I think Andrew is more prone to kitsch. Mm-hmm. So Buffy gets out of there. She's got like, grabbed a book and some papers, dives into the front lawn. Um, it's like slashed her coat. And she's just like, now I'm going to fuck these guys up. Um, after the commercial, Willow and Tara kind of like bouncing downstairs, just like dripping in a glow of happiness. Um, Is Tara wearing some sort of weird like kimono top or something here? It's a very bizarre look. We're back to Willow dressing super strange again, too. I think later on, uh, you know, during your shirt, that moment, I think tara might actually be wearing the the purple sweater that willow needed to take to the to mm. the morgue um so buffy gets willow and tara to like help her start going through the nerds paperwork there's a pretty funny moment when like uh tara picks up the book which falls apart because it's been cut in half i do feel like there's an undercurrent whenever like research needs to be done or they're just like man this is gonna take a while kind of just like look at willow mm. too bad somebody doesn't still have their magic yeah do that thing what she did with the computer. Where she she bad, like, you're a fucking junkie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to point out that we don't actually mean offense to people who are struggling with addiction. <laughs> it's just that the show is like tying itself to that star in a way that's like, I think, kind of insulting. Um, so Buffy has to inform everyone that Xander, Spike, and Anya are probably not in the Scooby gang anymore. Um, meanwhile, Anya's in the fancy jazz bar of a lady trying to get her vengeance on. And the chick is just like, how could Carl cheat on me? With my sister. She's not even that pretty. Well, and there's oh. a whole thing where she's like, oh, my sister's fat and she's gross. And it's just like, was that necessary? I don't know. It just, the writing well, of this it's, episode. It's kind of like to show us that like Anya's evolved as a, a person since she's been human and gone back to being a demon. And like, she doesn't fit in with like the clientele, I guess. Yeah, but I don't know. It's, uh, this whole episode seems kind of just like things stick out like that. Like, why did we have to make a point like in a couple different lines, but my fat, ugly sister, you know, this episode feels like, um, like this is the fan fiction somebody wrote in response to how season six. Yeah. Should should have gone. You know what I mean? Like, like this is someone's hot fanfic. Um, so in some demon cave. Yeah. I I, I was gonna say, I like how this woman's like, she's kind of getting a little bit annoyed because Ani keeps cutting her off to talk about her own problems. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, we find out that, that Anya is running the magic shop again. Mm-hmm. So is she just taking like a long, boozy lunch to do her second job? Yeah, does she's she working have two full time jobs. 
working two full well, all of her like junky friends can't like you know work at their dealer's shop uh mm-hmm. for free because i mean you think about the magical consulting work that she's done for the scooby gang she's got some serious billable hours there uh so in the demon some demon cave andrew's the bait trying to lure like some kind of demon who the others start like zapping with like a cattle prod because they need it for some reason um in spike's crypt he's like pouring himself a big glass of whiskey and don's like does it help and he's like doesn't hurt i found this whole scene just totally bizarre like i'm not sure why the scene is here other than to like i don't know motivate spike later in the episode like it's just like a weird conversation that doesn't seem like it would really be happening at all i think it would be because we've kind of skipped over some of it in our, our rewatch or our, our covering, but like the show had set up that like there was almost this like Wolverine and Kitty pride or like Wolverine and Jubilee relationship between these two. Like, like Dawn used to have a crush on like Xander and then it turned into like a bond with spike. And it's like, I don't know. It just, it does seems seems together in a while. It's it's just a whole lot of like Don would like to have a conversation about like Spuffy basically. I don't know. To me, it felt out of place. It it wasn't, it wasn't like, cause I mean, this is Don we're talking about. She'd be talking about herself here. And like, what does this mean for me? And instead it's all about like Spike and Buffy. Theoretically, Don should have some concern for her sister. Mm -hmm. If she was a more well-rounded character. Yes. Um, but so it's like it's not this scene I have a problem with. It's that the the lack of homework they did leading up to it. But uh, like she wants to know if he loved Buffy and if he did, how could he do that? Um, you know, and again, the, if you wanted to hurt Buffy, uh, congratulations, it worked. And she leaves. And you're right I, in your earlier comment. He takes the wrong kind of inspiration mm-hmm. out of this um, because his whole method or understanding their their connection to him and Buffy which didn't start as sexual it started as he was the person who kind of saw what she was hiding from the group mm-hmm. I don't know man whatever yeah. um, cut to the so troika the- in these like weird caves like there's somewhere there's like this magical barrier that like we see this uh, demon similar to the one they just zapped like walk through and it's like you have to be covered in that demon's skin in order to walk through the barrier and so Jonathan has had to like get that other demon and like wear it like a suit i thought they smelled bad on the outside and there's like a whole thing where it's like oh they're not sure if it's gonna work and so warren just like grabs jonathan and throws him through the barrier because he's a complete shithead yeah um and well it worked oh imagine that like i don't know if i were jonathan i would just be like fuck you guys i'm going straight to buffy (laughs) yeah all this was in service of getting a box that has some like magical balls in it that gives like strength and invincibility um seemingly all of their plans are hung up on this and yeah and it's a whole this isn't the first time they've like got this new magical item and warren's just like i'm gonna be the one to use it maybe i'll let you guys use it later yeah they're just like okay and they're just like okay that's that's fine like Mm -hmm. that hasn't worked out poorly for us previously um jonathan's like how do you know these things still work they've been down there for like a zillion years um, Warren squeezes them and like starts glowing purple and shivering of power. He looks like he's like coming unstoppably and he's like, uh, they work. He's got this like, weird little both? like pouch he puts them in on his belt. Yeah. Do you need both? I mean, like, could like another person take one and have some strength from them? I don't think Warren's going to let you find that out. But they, mm-hmm. they run into another demon and Warren like is like super powered so he can like beat the shit out of him. And yeah. So he's just like, haha, I have power. Yeah. You, you guys can have a world. My male rage has a new outlet. Yeah. I take these magic balls for a ride. Um, 
Buffy goes to Xander's and he's like sullen and probably way hungover. And she comes in and sees that he's been drinking a lot. And he's like, there's still a cold one in the fridge. It's got a it's like a peanut butter on the table there. Yeah. Just just look at this disgusting shit pig. Um, Buffy's there to defend Anya. Xander sticks it to her. She tells him that he has no idea what hard is being there, being alive, like you said. And he's like, you could have told me. And she's like, you didn't want to know, bitch. Um, and he actually says to her, God, what were you thinking? <sighs> Fuck you, Xander. What were you thinking? Yeah. Well, I, I, she, they give the line to Buffy. She says, Xander, what I do with my personal life is none of your business. But like, I just feel like we needed a few more exclamation points about that. Like really fucking lay into this asshole because it feels like a lesson he never really learns. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's way past the pale of just genuine real friend concern. He is judging her poorly and and harshly and incorrectly. After that line, he said, she says, you know, my personal life is none of your business. And he says it used to be. It's like, what? No, nope. Never was. Yeah. Uh, Hand that badge back. Yeah, Buffy, you do not need to explain yourself to Xander at all. You were de-deputized from that (laughs) role, Mr. Shithead. Um, So at night, Azure Ray starts playing, and Xander's like walking around. He ends up at the magic box. He's like like watching Anya dusting from outside. Again, working two full-time jobs. Go get it, Anya. You don't need a man. Um, And Tara's Tara's dorm room, these two are like her and uh, Will are laying in bed. Willow's going through like the Troika's data seating and found a bunch of schematics and shit. And then they're going to go back to fucking. Um, which, uh, you know, it's nice that they took like a change of venue or maybe they went to class and then just retired to the dorm room. Um, I mean, did she have the dorm the entire time she was living at Buffy's? Maybe. <laughs> Who's paying for her college? Yeah. Because doesn't have Joyce's inheritance. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, her and uh, her and Willow made a quick trip to the bank the day after <laughs> Buffy came back, <laughs> and then she was like, "Sorry, you're uh, you're broke," because uh, they've been living off a generous uh, loan from the Eduardo Saverin Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, Xander's at the bronze getting a shot, and some some of it spills on him, and this woman's just like, "You're all wet," and he's like, "It's a good thing I'm part fish," and she's like, "Which part?" and he's like, "The part with the hook in it." And she's like, "Careful, someone might reel you in." And he says some real just dumb shit. Which, which is weird because like for like 2.5 seconds, Xander kind of has some game here. Like there's yeah. like he's like got the the right responses and then he's just like pity party time. Yeah. At least he finally tells her like, I'm not just in. leave me alone. Yeah, just yeah. just leave me alone. I'm just uh, <laughs> looking to curl up alone tonight. Yeah, I'm bad news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's just literally no booze left in my house, which is why I'm out. Um, the Troika shows up. Andrew is wearing the most hideous trying to get laid shirt ever. Oh, it's like the big lapels. Yeah. Like honestly, God, he's the these worst. Three, these three should have just walked in dressed up like night at the Roxbury. Where is your fedora, Andrew? Or not Andrew, uh, uh, Warren. Not just a fedora. Mm-hmm. Like a fedora with like a feather. <laughs> like he should have showed up dressed like the mask. Um, so at the cemetery, Buffy's like, find the vamp. And this is the thing where like, she's like mouthing off to the guy and she stakes him. And then he like dusts, but he kicks her into a tombstone first. And, and then she goes home to run a bath and Spike comes in. What's he doing here? Even the way this scene this is shot is, is weird. It's like this high angle that they keep cutting back to. This is where I would say anyone, if you feel free to jump ahead five minutes. Yeah. I mean, I guess the weird thing about the scene is that the first half of it, I mean, I suppose this is intentional. It kind of seems like they're having 
a conversation that they they need to have where yeah. she's just like you know okay yes i do you know have feelings for you i don't love you like you know there's let's you know draw a difference between the two here mm-hmm. um and then he decides that well i'll i'll make you love you me by assaulting you well because he believes that like the only thing that she can feel is like physical pleasure and so he's just going to like force he's that gonna on unlock her, her yeah yeah, um, um, and it's, because he's he's read the wrong thing mm-hmm. into the pleasure she's taken thus far, and it really goes on for a while. It's long, like and it, it's it goes a whole commercial lot, break and comes right back into it. It's a whole lot of Buffy like screaming in pain and saying no and stopping and kind of like crying out in pain over and over. And it's I don't know, I I hate it personally. I I understand what they're going for. I don't think they landed it at all. Um, yeah, this Buffy as a character exists as kind of like a, a counterpoint to this sort of violence and to put her through it anyway, seemingly for Spike's character motivation is pretty awful. Yeah. They, I mean, it starts with like, they have wildly different opinions of love. Hers is obviously more healthy. His is more passion based, like fiery and hot, which according to Buffy quickly is prone to burning out. I mean, I didn't do a count, but like the word no is uttered, I think 15 times roughly. Um, and he at one point he says, "I know you felt it when I was inside you." Which come on, man, how do you how do you write that on a script and turn it in? Well, she says, um, she says, "I have feelings for you. I do, but it's not love. And he, I could never trust you enough for it to be love." Well, and and that's nice of her to give him the justification, but mm-hmm. really, when she says, "I do not want a relationship or a connection like this with you again," that is the end of the conversation. She doesn't necessarily owe him closure. Not that closure exists. Um, uh, did I, did I ever tell you the story from James Marsters about the impetus for this scene from, from his perspective? Um, the only thing I really am familiar with is that he said he, like, he hated doing it and he would never do it again. Yeah. He despised this scene and Mm -hmm. it's like contractually never going to do it again. According to him, this started from a conversation they had in the writer's room that he, that he found out about later where he said that one of the female writers had been in the spike position. And had gone over to an That's ex right. I remember that. Yeah. And thought that if she could initiate like sexual contact to a certain degree that, that he would relent and they would get back together, which I find that story to be incredibly suspect. Um, anyways, thankfully, blissfully, Buffy's finally able to kick him off. And she says, quite rightly, ask me again why I could never love you. Um, oh, and then Spike is like, oh, no, what have I done? Yeah. Well, he, he's like, my he, man pain. Like, and she points out, you know, you didn't do something there because I stopped you. It's something I should have done a long time ago. And it's just like, it's, we're going to get one more scene of her where she gets to reflect on all this. And then it's going to all be about him. Well, and for the rest of the season too, characters will obliquely bring it up and she'll be like, like, we don't need to talk about it. Or like Dawn's like, wait, what happened? And she's just like, never mind. You know, like, I don't know. It's like, she's just like, forget about it, move on. But like, oh, we get, we keep cutting back to Spike and how he's dealing with it. When it gets me is that we then just cut back to the episode, like the rest of the storyline. Yeah, it's, it's just like, like, all right, moving on. It was just like I mean, a, a been, really what... traumatic and violent, like way too real sexual assault scene. And then back to the Troika. I mean, I almost, would have almost preferred like this was just the end of the episode, you know, like it just anyway. it's so tossed off in the middle because we've we've got another thing we have to do at the end of the episode for like the big hammer i don't know i just to me it, it just it's such a massive miss for this show to be like let's take something this serious 
and kind of shove it into the middle of an episode and not really give it any of the sort of attention it deserves if you are trying to do like a serious episode about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not your, uh, well, not afternoon school special, but mm. uh, like, uh, you know, midnight school special. Um, and I think a lot of people, and I think I'm guilty of myself, like just completely block this out of their mind, which because it's it's nice so if bad. I had that luxury. Yeah. yeah. Um. So at the bronze, Warren is aggressively hitting on some chick, like like some nonsense about like just just we're just two souls coming together. Andrew and Jonathan are watching. I like Andrew's um, got like a big like crazy uh like fruity cocktail thing going on with like pineapple yeah. and orange and cherries and umbrella and all that. Jonathan wants Andrew to team up with him, but Andrew's like firmly in Team Warren camp. And then he considers this a huge diss. He's just like, of all the TNG crew, Jonathan, you were Counselor Troy, which, man, fuck you. There's worse things than being Counselor Troy. I mean, that's one of the internalized And Jonathan is just like, we're going to end up in jail. Like, this is not. <laughs> we deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the boyfriend of this this young woman comes over and like, you know, starts like giving Warren some shit and he starts beating up this dude and other guys and he goes and steals some money from a cash register, to like hit on the girls at the bar. He keeps calling himself daddy. Yeah. <laughs> also, real quick, um, Andrew refers to Jonathan as a betazoid. He says, stop being a betazoid, which I feel like is the uh, kind of pre- proto like beta alpha male. You know, it's, it's what Counselor Troy is. Yeah. yeah I know that, but like, you know, beta, you know, that's, you hear that. He's a, like a beta around. boy. Yeah. Like it's a cross between beta boy and nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, so Xander comes out of the bathroom and like stands up to him and like Warren's like throwing in his face that he, that he knows that Anya fucks Spike. Xander should just be like, I like having you around Warren. You make me look cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not coming back for half asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, Warren punches Xander across the bronze. Again, Xander should be dead. Um, probably go kill xander except jonathan comes up with an excuse like hey man we gotta go do that thing you know the thing well and like the, the, the way after uh warren has like like beat up the one dude he like walks over to these three ladies at the bar and it's just like it's on daddy tonight you know like he's yeah. gonna like make some time with these chicks don't worry babies daddy's gonna give you some too and these girls are just like on the verge of laughing and i think it's xander who says see now i think it's the daddy thing that's throwing her yeah yeah so Xander with like a bloody nose, like shows up at Buffy's house. That's how he found Warren. And he sees like Spike's coat hanging over the banister and he flips out. Like he's just going to go fucking tear into Buffy about this. Storms into her bathroom. Too many people just storming, storming into Buffy's in. bathroom. Yeah. Finds her like, you know, still on the, the floor of the bathroom. He sees like the bruise on her leg. Cause we really That's- needed to make, you know, what, what was happening. Another thing. If I'm at a friend's house, I mean, obviously like a vampire, I've been invited in. Mm-hmm. I need to be invited again and then to the bedroom or the bathroom. You know what I mean? Like that's not vampire rules, man. Although I don't I'm, know why Buffy didn't uninvite Spike's ass like three or four episodes ago. Seriously, seriously. But I mean, just like that's that's a level of comfort. I don't. I'm not trying to have like, hey, everybody, get a buck and come up to Jerry's. It's a pee party. Um. Yeah. So you know, Xander's like, did he hurt you? And Buffy's like, he tried. Um. So Willow shows up, says they found some info, and she sees that something's clearly wrong here. Like Buffy, like covers up. Well, and Buffy's like, "Oh, five. nothing happened." Yeah, but like maybe not fast enough. Um, so downstairs in the dining room, Tara and Willow are like going through all the new shit that's come to light, and like uh, Buffy and Xander are like standing there. Buffy, or Xander's standing there with like ice on his nose, which I thought was funny. 
They can't identify some of the writing, and Xander can. It's Klingon love poems. Yeah, it's Klingon. They're love poems. Oh, here's a deeply sad note from the Buffy wiki that I had to copy over. Okay. It says, Tara is unique amongst the Scooby gang in that during her time on the show, she was never tied up and was never possessed or went evil. (laughs) (laughs) It's so sad that we have to point that out. Yeah. So Spike is back to his crypt, haunted by what he did. He starts drinking and like having it's, flashbacks. Let's to give it. him a whole big monologue. Do we really need flashbacks to the attempted rape that happened like ten minutes ago? I just want to he relive it again. Yeah, he has flashbacks. Yeah, he has flashbacks too, and he's drinking and oh man, just the the man pain. It's it's so hard for him that he almost did that. Which which I just want to say, I believe in down the line like rehabilitation or or whatever you can do to help people like this but it always should come after the victims like right well, like always oh well, yeah i mean it's, this is a tv show this isn't real life so like you know the choices you make are telling yeah, you know they, yeah. they they mean something and instead of really getting buffy processing a traumatic moment we get by their spikes saying what have i done uh what's the next line why didn't i do it what has she done to me it's like oof. so why didn't i do it to me is the clearly line where the thing that we've never talked about with like angel gleefully gloating about what the things angelus did and you think mm-hmm. he just just psychologically tortured these young women no but the show has always been very good about like we can gloss over that it's implied and here it's implying that like Maybe Spike has done this before in his yeah. entire days. And, well, it's like, oh, and then he says, what has she done to me? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Clem shows up with Hot Wings, wants to know if Spike wants to chill and watch a Knight Rider marathon. It's like, man, Clem, you showed up the wrong time. You're a good bro, but damn. Um, and like, also, like, as Spike's ranting about all this stuff, if I was Clem, I would just moonwalk the fuck out yeah. of there. Oh, he's going on. I've, you know, I've tasted two Slayers. I'm... I'm a bad guy. Well, yeah, this this the chip. I can feel it squirming around my brain. It won't it won't let me be a monster. I can't be a man. And Clem is just like, buck up, buddy. Things change. And Spike's just like, yeah, they do if you make them. And he gives like, Clem a sinister look. And I and I, if I could <laughs> divorce it from from this episode, I like where Spike's episodes go in the rest of the season. Like the idea of Spike. I, I think there out is a, a way. There is a way you can get the Spike character to this sort of. Uh, you know, new goal that he has without mm-hmm. doing an attempted rape. I think no, there, absolutely easy ways you could write that in. It's it can just be a conversation, like, and I think you didn't it could just be something of... where Buffy just says something honest, but like that cuts him very deep, and it's just yeah. like, oh shit, like it, it it is truly never going to happen. I have to change something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then this is actually a really uplifting storyline about a person who realizes I need to make a change in my life if I want to feel better. Mm-hmm. If I want to be the man I want to be. Um, fuck. Uh, so we're at the amusement park. They're loading up an armored truck of backstolen money. This is their fucking plan is to like knock it's, off an amusement park. It's like vaguely Ocean's Eleven-ish. It's like, you know, the biggest night of the year at the amusement park or something. This is stupid. This is. I mean, they robbed a bank earlier. Like you're telling me they're robbing an amusement park? Give me a fucking break. Did you really need super strength for it? Like all your magic and technology? Just to... Pick just up for, a truck. Just for Warren to tip over. a truck over, yeah. Yeah, so Buffy says up starts fighting them. This is when she says, you really got a problem with strong women, don't you? The nerds are all wearing matching outfits, BTW. Um, and they all have like kind of weird shoulder stuff and half the uh, the shots of them where it's like there's clearly something on their jacket, but only in some of the shots, but not all of them. Yeah. 
Um, Andrew is watching Warren at one point and says, I can't wait to get my hands on his orbs. Yeah. Subtext. Uh, yeah. Warren is a whole lot of like, I was wondering when super bitch would show up and it's just this women hating MRA bullshit. Mm-hmm. Before we had um, a name for it. Congratulations, Warren. Yeah. Great. I'm surprised we don't like, you remember like those Magneto was right shirts. No, I don't. Um, those are Magneto's right shirts. I'm shocked that like the the little fuckers don't have like a like a Warren. I mean, they would they wouldn't watch Buffy anyway. That's true. That's true. Um, so at one point, like Jonathan jumps on her back to make it look like he's trying to fight her as well, and he really just whispers in her ear, "Smash his orbs." Yeah, which is out of context. It almost seems like this should have happened like a few episodes ago. Like Jonathan has clearly been unhappy for a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well. That's the uh, that's the undercurrent of this entire season. So and so has clearly been unhappy for a while. Yeah, including the audience. Um, so at one point, like you know, she's down. And it's that thing where he's about to like deliver the final blow, and she sees the pouch on his uh, uh, of his orbs on his belt. And he's, it looks you know, like a cell phone holster. What a dork. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what could it have been like a fanny pack? Yeah. So this is when he's like, "Say goodnight, bitch," and she's like, "Goodnight, bitch," and she like smashes his orbs, kicks him in the chest. So he drops his coat, reveals that he has a jetpack on, and he flies off like a rocket man, a rocketeer. I think there was a good exchange. I think it's here earlier when like he's like all superpower, and she's like, good, that means I won't have to hold back. Yeah. So Andrew drops his coat, revealing he has a jetpack as well, and he's like, I'm lying about like, the day goes to you, Slayer, or whatever. <laughs> well played, Slayer. <laughs> this should have been on my on my top moments, because I always love this moment. This round to you, but the game's far from over, and they like blast off, and like he's, he's underneath an overhang, and it's like smacks into it and falls down. Yeah. I always forget about this, and it's always it's always <laughs> satisfying. I'm just like cut back to Buffy being like, huh? <laughs> and then Jonathan's left behind because they were planning on betraying him and leaving him behind, so he has no mm-hmm. jetpack. Uh, oh, this almost made my top moments here when the the police are escorting Jonathan and Andrew into the uh, police station here, and Andrew just says, "Oh God, the big house." <laughs> but they're like crying. And I just think about the few times that you see like images of these guys who like assault women who are in court and they've gotten that verdict that that guilty verdict, mm-hmm. and they're just like bawling like little kids. And it's like, yeah, you're confronted with punishment for your crimes. Yeah. I bet you got some tears to on Andrew share. here is like still delusional. He's like, Warren's gonna rescue us. Yeah. And Jonathan's just like, wake the fuck up. Um yeah, so Again, they're really teasing something like with like Andrew and don't they eventually say that Andrew is gay in season seven? Am I misremembering? Well, in in Angel, he's going on dates with women. Is he? I don't think it's ever spelled out what's going on with Andrew's sexuality concurrently, but he's like going on dates with women. And there's a line when, um, when uh, Angel and Spike run into him and he's like going on a date with like two different women and he says something to Spike like, um, I don't remember. It's something like, yeah, things aren't always what you think they are or whatever like that. It's mm. like, okay. but like, then it's like, okay, so you've been hinting that he's gay and like, that's the joke. Like what? Anyway, yeah. um, cut, cut the spike on his motorcycle. He's like, get nice and comfy slayer. I'll be back. And when I do, things are going to change. Rides off on his motorcycle, like a cool guy after he just tried to write Buffy. Yay show. Yeah. Yeah. So the next day, Will and Tara's room. They're both dressed and they're marveling at like what a novelty it is to be dressed again after all the sex. Mm -hmm. And there's Willow in her very, very, very white shirt. (laughs) And she's like, clothes. She actually says, clothes, exclamation point. And Tara's like, 
better not get used to them and and, and yes ma'am and uh, and then they see that Xander's downstairs because he comes over to talk to Buffy. Um, this is a little weird because it, it felt like we were missing a scene or like scenes were out of order because he's like apologizing to Buffy here. Yeah. But it seemed like the last time they spoke, they weren't arguing. Well, because they got interrupted, I think, by um, Willow and Tara showing up with new shit. I guess. Yeah. I'm sure if, if they had not walked into the bathroom. Xander would see that Buffy has just been near assaulted or assaulted, quite frankly, mm-hmm. by Spike. And I'm sure he would give her some harsh words. Well, because when before they got interrupted, he was just like, I'm going to go beat the shit out of him or something like that. And she's like, no, stop. And then Willow showed up. But I don't know. Th- this scene to me when he's talking to Buffy at the end seems like it should have come after he was all like super well, slut-shamey earlier in the episode. It's it's all the accumulated, yeah. you know, like trauma. It's like they finally are having the conversation they should have had a while ago. But also Willow bursting into that bathroom the night before. She saved his life. Um, so Buffy's in the backyard poking things with a stick, making sure there's no more evil Troika cameras. She tells him that Andrew and Jonathan have been arrested, but Warren's still out there. Um, and Xander's like, he won't be much good without his friends. And that, of course, that has like special resonance for him and Buffy. Well, throughout this season, they're kind of building Xander out to a big moment at the end that I don't think they earned because they didn't do the work necessary for Xander. You know, because the the big bad Willow is kind of stopped by Xander appealing to her humanity and, you know, saying how he loves her. But it it doesn't feel like Xander was on, like, a path to get there. It didn't feel satisfying, like, oh, this is the way it, it, it always had to be type of thing. It just kind of... It's like, okay, yeah, I guess they were friends. Well, even in Hell's Bells, it's frustrating because we're clearly in told that uh, um, like Willow's like the you know taking the best man role, mm-hmm. right? Buffy's the one doing all the things at the wedding. Mm-hmm. Like Willow's like just like chilling out. And it's like that would have been a great way to establish that yes, these this this friendship at its core is still very viable and important. And so when he has his moment with Willow. I mean, I really think a lot of it comes down to laziness on the writer's part of not being willing to advance Sanders' character because he's an easy throwaway joke when they need it. You know, it's like he's a crutch that they can always fall back to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it harms the plot, you know, not, not just his character, but it harms the plot as well because he is supposed to have evolved, but they didn't do the work to get him there. And so yeah, he I just mean- seems like a jackass. And you're like, why are we giving time to this guy? And I like the moment with him and, and Willow. It just you're right. They don't get there. They don't. I mean, it's like here's a great here's a here's a cherry. I want you to pretend there's a cake underneath it. Yeah. Um. So the two of them sit on the bench. And they talk about how fucked things have been the last few weeks. And Xander mentions that he doesn't know what he'd do without her, or Willow. Um. And then Warren comes strutting in the backyard, and he's like, "You think you can just do that to me? You think I just let you get away with that? Ha 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 ha! Think again." And he's got like firing another his angry man with a gun. Yeah. Yeah, welcome to everything since and before. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah. this season has too much resonance of 2020. Seriously. He fires a bunch of shots and is just like running away, still firing. And that last shot, we cut to uh, Willow upstairs and there's a big splatter of red on her shirt. And Tara says, you're sure she's got a big hole in her chest. And then she collapses. Yeah. Uh, Xander gets up and sees that Buffy's also been shot in the shoulder and she's like staring up into space. I mean, I would say more like the upper chest yeah. um, shoulder, but you know, it's like that looks like it could be fatal potentially. <laughs> There's it's enough into the, the, the meat of her. It's not like, but a, she's still a alive. Yeah. 
Whereas Tara's dead. In the um, in the parlance of uh, television gunshots, that's not a flesh wound. Yeah, that's yeah. something more serious. <laughs> it's more akin to that moving gunshot that Spencer Hastings took. Mm-hmm. Um, Willow's like freaking out because like Tara's dead in her arms, and we see like Willow lift her. That just occurred to me. Oh, I never mind. I forgot. Never mind. I, okay. I thought there was a plot hole in PLL, but I realized they fixed it. Okay. Well, Tara, Alex, I don't Tara's, want to do this. Yeah, Tara's like immediately dead, pretty much. She says, "You're sure," and then gone like through the heart. Um, and yeah. Xander's freaking out down below. Will is freaking out upstairs, and then like she looks up, and her eyes go red and black, and oh no. Yeah. It's yeah. vengeance time. Dark Phoenix has been unleashed. And that is the season. Um, yeah, I, I did watch the all the, the rest of the episodes too. Um, the next three were it's Dark Willow. I, gu- I guess it was satisfying to see Warren get skinned because fuck mm. that guy. But Just uh, straight up flayed. Yeah. Got Ramsey Bolton. I, I don't think Willow makes a particularly good villain. Like I, I think Allison Hannigan is really good at a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think she's a good at um at being evil, or at least not the way they wrote her, because she's kind of boring. She's mm-hmm. just sort of like detached and hi, I'm slow talking willow. I'm what about boring. the uh Return of Giles? Return of Giles is good, but it's it's short lived and I don't know. It it really it's it's kind of like wow, that was the end of your season. Like not exactly up to usual Buffy standards. I remember, I remember thinking it was interesting the way they peppered in the Spike storyline. Yeah, they keep cutting back to Spike doing more trials. Because they, they play it as he's like doing this magical trial to like get the chip removed. They really keep being coy about what he wants until right at the very and end. I, he's just like, your soul like, is restored. I like the look of like the demon that he's talking to like in Shadow. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people thought it was like Chip from, uh, Skip. from, from Angel or Skip. Yeah. Whatever. Same thing. Um, yeah. And then so basically like Giles' whole plan was to lose and like force empathy into Willow, right? Or something that was like the backup plan. Yeah. Okay. That's season six. I don't know. I feel like they've got a lot of good ideas here and they they really, really went for it in the like, these are the dark times in your early 20s. I think they, they nailed a lot of that. They just didn't do some of the character work that they needed to do, especially with Xander. Especially when Xander is going to be like kind of like the linchpin who saves mm-hmm. the day at the end. Um, yeah, he's just he's just kind of a shit heel for most of the season. Like we never yeah. we're never on his side and being like I understand why he had to leave Anya at the altar. It's like no, we're not taking his side at all. Like this is a fucked up thing to do. And I, it's been a while since I watched it, so I haven't. I can't fully remember if it's like executed in a way that I would I would like in 2020. But I did like the idea of where they put like Buffy in a death trap. She doesn't save the day. She just has to like rescue herself and Dawn from a grave. Like she has literally mm-hmm. cried, crawled out of her own grave again. And like, you know, accept, like she has to fight for her life. I yeah. thought that was an interesting way to get her out of this. Fight. They also have Dawn fighting, which they like completely forget about in season seven. Well, because remember everyone, like, there's potential a se- thing. Yeah. severe backlash to the idea of Dawn mm-hmm. becoming a potential or a slayer or whatever. Anyway, any complaints about this season? <laughs> Couple. <laughs> yeah. One thing, I mean, we we talked around it. We didn't really put a pin on it. I mean, this wasn't the birth of the barrier gaze trope, but uh, this is uh, just like if there was a Mount Rushmore of barrier gaze, Terra Dine would be on it. This is one of the big ones. And not just barrier. Like, like this is a fridging too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a double whammy there. 
Did you did you read the thing on the wiki about Allison Hannigan filming this scene? I did not know. So it was so hard to film to get the spray right. Right. And they yeah. only had two white shirts. So if it didn't if the take didn't work out, they had to go wash both shirts and they had to wait. And so she was constantly just wearing like soaking wet white shirts because they were on a TV schedule. Mm-hmm. And so finally, like the last take that it got right, she said, I don't even know if I was acting. It was just, just let's mm-hmm. just do this and hopefully the spray will be right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously, I, between the, the, the Spike Buffy stuff and Teradyne, it kind of just felt like this episode was like a thumb in the eye to a lot of the fan base. It's kind of like, fuck you, LGBT fans, and fuck you, Spuffy fans. We're going to make you feel bad, which I'm just not sure what they think they're gaining by that. It, it just felt like 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 somebody's like lecturing you, you know, especially the Spike and Buffy stuff. Well, that's what you get for rooting for this relationship when he's a vampire. Nice uh, call forward to the thumb in the eye. Oh, yes. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, obviously those are my big complaints other than what we've mentioned so far. I, I just think, yeah, like like I- extreme character work and like for every character. I, I don't even know if for Buffy. I mean I think Buffy's pretty good. I think I think they generally land all the Buffy side of things pretty well. I mean the fact that she didn't get an award for her scene of Tara at the end of Dead Things mm-hmm. is flabbergasting um, i mean maybe that was part of the problem maybe they were so focused on buffy that they just didn't do the work for the other characters like they needed to and maybe anya maybe anya like mm-hmm. is like the other character who i think like what you've got is not bad and you've got an actor who can carry it across the line but like even dawn it's like you need to still make her a human being <laughs> um you can't just make her like this annoying little sister trope constantly it's nobody's going to care about this character's problems if you just only present her as a nuisance. Yeah. Uh, so if you could make one change this season, what would it be? Well, I think I would take out one scene. Like you said, I, I I think part of the problem is they've had too many of these like shitty conversations between like Spike and Buffy, but just, they were so different conflicts. If they could have lessened those and then had one really savage one between them, yeah, where she finally, like you said, gets some words that hollow him out. You could do the rest of the season as it is from Spike's perspective. Maybe say that I'm using you speech until then. Yeah. Because that was, you know, pretty cutting. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if it's not just one change, but I would love to strike scene red from the record. Um, but if you had to live with that, I'd like them to that. not kill Tara. Well, I don't know, it's like basically I want two changes. I don't want just one. You know, t- Tara and the attempted rape, I think you could both do good stuff without either of those happening let me give you the keys of this sweet little ride and see if you want to take it around the block for a spin what if instead of tara like xander caught a bullet i mean i'd be fine with that um because what what happens in season seven of xander that we really i mean honestly isn't that what happens in dirty girls at the end isn't isn't the same thing because yeah. he gets to live although i you know i hate to say this but dramatically speaking it would make more sense for Anya to die. I mean, I guess that, that doesn't, mm. neither of them. Do All you, chosen. Yeah. I guess, <laughs> cause you, I guess you, you need Willow to go dark, right? That's the ultimate goal here. Yeah. And so Xander does have more. Her best know, friend dies. Yeah. Her best friend, like there's more there than if you were to kill Anya. Um, I don't know. Is there another way she can go dark without somebody dying? I mean, the sad thing is that you're in this mode where it's like, what can you give Willow that she loves that you can then take away yeah. from her? You know, yeah. it's like, 
I just wish that it wasn't correct. I mean, I, I like the idea that the season I, is like the, the the troika was like the red herring. I mean, I, I I feel like they need like to do a whole new pass on Willow's arc in general. Like, yeah. no no magic is drugs thing, and like find a way to get her to fall to darkness without that. And then maybe you don't need to fridge somebody in order for her to, you know, truly sink to those levels. And you can involve Amy the Rat. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I've got uh, 14 in my power rankings. Uh, I think I have 15. Right. Uh, so 15, Warren. Okay. I've got I mean, Warren at 14 because fuck that guy. He's. It's scary how ahead of his time the Warren archetype is. Those motherfuckers well, but, are all over the internet now. Well, what you're saying is that people like you and I see them more. They're not new. Yeah. We just Although haven't I, had I, to deal with them in the same way. I mean, maybe the, the internet has uh, created spaces for them to thrive, I guess. Yeah, they've definitely been emboldened them, but it's not like the where this comes from. But I do think there is something about the internet and social media that allows this to grow and fester maybe more than it would have in the past true but i think i think warren is 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 worse than spike for sure um because it's you know fortunately or i don't even know i don't know how to word it but like katrina warren is a consistent character yeah warren warren's a consistent character as a spike that was not really in his character the you know the rest of what we'd seen of him so far yeah yeah uh who's in our 14 Spike. Okay. Wow. Okay. Because it happened. And yeah. I, mm-hmm. Especially like, you know, I can pretend or I can say in the previous episodes, I can say, well, we're not there yet. So it hasn't yeah. happened yet. But it's like, I had to watch this. Yeah, that's fair. I guess I blame it more on the writers and on Spike's character. <laughs> they I just should think be it's on bad my, writing. <laughs> they should be on my number 14. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number 13 is Halfrek. She is a terrible friend. Okay. I just can't uh, believe that she would still get an invite to the wedding after the shit she did in Older and Far Away. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> My 13 is Andrew. Okay. I, I wonder if we're going to have some similar rankings. He's at my number 12. Because, um, mm. I don't know, I feel like the, the difference between Andrew and Jonathan here, they are both guilty in large extent, but uh, Jonathan seems to show remorse and Andrew does not. Yep. Yep. Again, Andrew literally says it's kind of cool that we got away with murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number twelve is Hank Summers. Oh, he did not make my rankings. Uh, my number twelve is Andrew. My number eleven is Richie. Oh, I don't think Richie made my list. Uh, my number eleven is Halfrick. Halfrick. Oh, my number ten is Sophie. Did, never so my, saw her again, I don't think. No, my 10 is Jonathan. Okay, yeah, he's my number 9. And my number 9 is Sophie. <laughs> yeah, Sophie made my list, but uh, Richie didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've got Spike at 8. Okay. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's tough to say where to rank him just because uh, of that one scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my number 8 is Joyce. It's nice to see her again. Yeah, it's just really baffling in general that they're like, Fan favorite character. We've got a plot line for you. On Spike or Joyce? On Spike. Yeah, yeah. It's wild to me that this is what they brought back uh, Christine Sutherland for to his uh, mm-hmm. normal again. Yeah, of all the possible ways. It could I don't think. Well, we do see her one more time, don't we? Do we see her conversation with dead people? 
I can't remember if we actually see her or not. We might see her body in the background. It's like implied that that's who's talking to Dawn, right? Man, it's been a while since I watched that episode, so I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, so Spike was my number eight, and you had Joyce at eight. Yep, I've got Clem at seven. Okay, I've got Dawn at seven. No, I take that back. I'm gonna do his quick switch. I have Xander at seven. Okay, well, guess who's not on my list at all? Xander, nice. Dawn. Oh, nice. <laughs> I got Xander at six, which uh, is really have... too high for him. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I have Dawn at, at six. Okay, got Giles at five, even though he was was not in any of the episodes we watched. I'll still put him up at number five. I was, I was tempted at the to... end. Even though I have not watched the ones after this, I was tempted to put Giles on here anyway. Uh, my number five was Willow. Okay. Yeah, she's my number four. Okay. I mean, in these episodes, I think the ones we watched, she's pretty good. So my number four ranking on this entry of us discussing Buffy the Vampire Slayer is Clem. Oh, wow. Because, again, not a bad dude. What are the strikes against this guy? Like He's kind of gross. Let's be, let's be real. He's a little gross. Like physically? Yeah. The there are grosser. Yeah. There are grosser entities. Like the chaos demon. <laughs> at, least, at least Clem's not dripping. I mean, he's just like, hey, buddy, I just thought I was a neighbor and I thought I would show up to watch the Knight Rider and eat some wings with you and just have a mm-hmm. bros night. He just wants friends. Yeah. He just, yeah, um, he just seems like a good hang. Who do I have? I had Willow for. Mm-hmm. And then who's your three? My three is Tara. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, I think we're going to have the same top three here. Yeah. Two Anya. Two Anya, one Buffy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's impossible for Buffy ever to get knocked down the peg. But uh, Anya, even in the episodes we didn't watch, like she, even after like really having every excuse to tell these people to go fuck themselves, is still like fighting for the good cause at the end and like staying behind to like do a protection spell when she knows that Will is going to fuck her up for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Much more heroic than some of the other people on this show. Yeah. And I mean, this would have been the season where for any reason I would have faltered from Buffy's journey, but like the show is smart about at least about keeping her central and they've got a great actor who, when you give her scenes where, where she can talk about the torment that Buffy's feeling like she nails it mm-hmm. and then some and Anya too. I mean like Emma Caulfield, God, she's so fucking good. All right. Uh, well, that was season six of Buffy. I guess we got to figure out what we're watching for season seven, huh? Yeah, we probably should. Let's go take a look at Buffy Season 7. Um, I feel like I already know two of these. It's Selfless and Conversations with Dead People. Absolutely. Word. Um, let's see. On the first... Um, I don't know if it, the whole episode's worth it. I do find the interesting of the end of Beneath You interesting. I don't know if it's worth it the whole episode. Just bring on the night. That's with the Uber vamp, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, these are all a blur to me, honestly. Like, I don't remember a ton of them. Uh, him is the one that I keep kept confusing all the way with. That's like another Don one, right? Yeah, I want to say Larry Reedman shot part of him. Um, yeah. shit, man, maybe it needs to be beneath you. Oh, what about that one with Cassie? Do we care? Oh, the bright, um, which one is that? Is that him? I hope not. 
Because she's it's gone help. by the time it's is it help. help. Yeah. What what about Never Leave Me? It's a Drew Goddard one. He's usually good. Uh, Spike is kept tight in the summer's house as Buffy attempts to interrogate him. Willow bumps into Andrew. What episode is No that? one knows her child. No, yeah, I don't remember much about that episode. Is this the one where we get the uh, the reveal of what's up with Giles? No, I think it's the next one. I think it's Bring on the Night. Oh, okay. Or maybe. No, no, because they're still wondering. That that goes on for a while, actually. That's not till like, like <laughs> episode 13 or 14, something like that, where they get to that. He's suspiciously just not touching things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's fine with me. Bring so on the night. Drew Goddard. Wait, which one do you want to do? Oh, never leave me is fine. It's just I'm saying with that and conversation yeah. with dead people. I'd I'd rather do bring on the night personally than never leave me because that one sounds boring. Do you remember bring on the night? I just remember it has the Uber vamp in it. Okay. All right, bring on the night. So, S seven E five selfless. S7, E7, Conversations with Dead People, and then S7, E10, Bring on the Night. And then I guess we'll have to figure out. I think we already know what we're doing for the second half, right? Uh, Storytellers, Storyteller maybe, Dirty Girls, and, and then Chosen. Chosen. Yeah. And then, uh, just if anyone's curious, Touched, I think, has Spike's best moment in the entire show. Oh, yeah. Well, it's when he finally gives Buffy the pep talk that pulls her out of the funk. Like, hmm. It's like the it, the complete antithesis of season six, where everyone is, they literally kick Buffy out of her own house, yeah, and like do like a vote of no confidence in her, and he shows up and he's like, with no expectations, wanting nothing from her, other than just tell her like she's the one, like she's and he'll never stop believing in her. It's like, what the fuck was this last year, man? I can't remember which which is it in the finale or before the finale that Caleb has that. Liners, just like let's finish this, bitch. <laughs> uh, it's it's got to be an end of days because he's okay. he's, he's in two. Five chosen, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Because chosen has the great thing, which I'm I'm, doing, I'm on a podcast here where uh, someone's like, "Where is that? Where is he?" And like Buffy looks to the left, then she looks to the right because mm-hmm. he's in two places. Yeah. All right. So yeah, five, seven, and ten are the episodes we'll do. Um, Maybe in a couple of weeks. I don't know. We'll see what our schedules are like. I'm so take almost, at least one week off, right? I think so. Yeah, I'm. I'm like so close to being done with the last draft of Trouble. I really want to finish that. Word. All right. Well, that was a fun time to spend. I mean, I don't know. I feel like season seven is probably the worst season of Buffy. Mm. It's hard for me to say where I rank season six because it does have a couple great episodes, but then there's just yeah, it's just rough. Well, fortunately, we're only going to focus on some of the more memorable episodes of season seven. I'm going to try to watch more of it just because I really don't remember a lot of it. I only like season seven. I watch once pretty much except for a few episodes mm-hmm. um, as opposed to like seasons two and three and, and four, even where I'd go back and watch them all the time. Yeah, because they're highly rewatchable. Mm-hmm. All, right. all right. Cool. Well, until then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.